You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or Die Shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. All right, now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and today I am joined by somebody who hasn't... Well, actually, we just were talking about this before we went live. It was almost exactly two years ago that he was on before. Actually, that would make it 25 months, uh, almost to the day of when this will be posted. And although you've been on before... That was, you know, 25 months ago. So please introduce yourself, tell people what you do, why you do it. And I think with someone, as long as their career is you, why you've done it for so long is actually the way I would ask uh, the final question there. But but please go on. All right. I'm, I'm Josh Walrath. I'm one of the editors at PC Perspective. I've been talking about this stuff now for 25, 20, 26 years now. I think 1997. August, September was the first time I actually wrote anything, and it was on Josh's hardware page, and I think we probably talked about this ages ago, and it was, I mean, it was, it was before even, uh, what, uh, GeoCities, uh, it was, it was, it was bad, and I had crazy backgrounds, and, and, you know, it was like MySpace before it was MySpace, it was, it was terrible, but somehow I did it, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, then went on to penstarsys.com and uh, hung my shingle out there for a while. I tried to do a, a combo review site and sell hardware. Eventually, just turned into review site. Mm-hmm. Hardware was not good to sell ever, really, unless you're Newegg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, there's there's some issues. Um, and then Ryan in 2008 brought me on to uh, PC Per. We went to an AMD function when they introduced the original Phenom. And um, the 3870 series was their high-end uh, graphics yeah. card. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, we, we started talking, and he's like, well, mind if I throw you some money on the side if you want to write a couple articles a month? I was like, yeah, that sounds good, because mm-hmm. I wasn't making jack all. So here we I know, am. It, it's funny, because most people that I have on, like when I think about you know, a friend of the channel who's been on numerous times, Steve and Tim from Hardware Unboxed, they've been doing this, uh, well, for over a decade. Yeah. But it's interesting because someone like them, they're still, it's still kind of evolving. And then other people I have on, maybe they've been a YouTuber for five years or something. Um, and then with you though, it's been decades and you're one of the few people I think, and this was what was so great about the last time you were on that I think you can actually remember not just the past decade or two decades ago, but like enough time that you can see the cycles 
more so than just four-year cycles. Because I think a lot of people, especially when I see in the comments, like these ideas like, well, you know, you remember Pascal and it's like, you know, there was a whole world before Pascal and Polaris <laughs> and you can almost see, and that's what we talked about in 2021, how the cycle we were in then felt a lot more like the nineties, you know, where technology all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the blip that we saw between like 2012 to 2018, uh, I would don't call it like the 40 and 28 nanometer era was like one where it was slowing down and yeah, things were cheap, but we weren't getting the performance increases we used to be used to, but things got a lot cheaper and it almost felt like through 2021 until now, things are getting better a lot faster like they used to, but they're also more expensive. But but there was this time in the nineties where PCs were $4,000 and remembering that I think is sometimes important. And remember 4,000 before inflation, that was mid range. Yeah, and what was kind of amazing about that is that, uh, you know, when, when Jensen Wong started uh, really, really pushing, uh, when, he, when he started to go with uh, uh, Reva 128 and then TNT and TNT2, he wanted to have a six-month cadence mm-hmm. yeah. between a lot of these major releases. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to think because that's, that's incredibly fast. But back then, I mean, we're, we're, you're dealing with you know, 2 million transistors, uh, GeForce 3, when it came out at 60 million transistors or so, I mean, that was, that, that blew everybody's hair back by how, how, how big that was. And, uh, you know, and, and going back to, to when you were making the introductions, why did I stay in this for so long? It's because it's just constantly fascinating. It's, it's so much fun to watch the creativity of these engineers and designers and the things that they do. And I mean, you know, there's the, the the comment, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And when you're talking about transistor design, I mean, that's a that's that's really true. I mean, it's, it's how, how do you assemble all these, you know, sand particles into mm-hmm. some working piece of silicon? And you can do it in so many ways. I mean, infinite ways. And some are better than others. But we've got, you know, three groups right now that are doing at least graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, two well, CPUs. Well, more three than three. CPUs. And there's yeah, also but, Apple well, and ARM, and yeah, ARM. ARM's got their own. Apple has, but theirs is is kind of derivative of of some of the Molly stuff, from what I understand. Um, but yeah, it's a Qualcomm uh, has the Adreno group. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just talking kind of you know PC wise. Um, it's it's just really neat to see, and it's great. You know, as as much as. Okay, so I'm I'm an old time kind of pro AMD guy because I I lived through the '90s where Intel did a mm. lot of underhanded stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, it was not pleasant. And AMD scrapped by, and you know there's Cirrix and um, you know Centaur and and the Winchip guys, which was Centaur, and and uh, you know it was, it was kind of neat to have that kind of competition. Um, and uh, you know, all just died away, and, and only AMD was left because they bought next gen, and uh, the K6 uh, was their life preserver. Uh, mm-hmm. After after all the the litigation and all the um, uh, cross licensing, and you know, because AMD was originally a second source for Intel in the eighties mm-hmm. for x eighty six processors, and they you know they they reverse engineered and did their own, and and they consistently had kind of better processors than intel did uh, at that time it was kind of fun to see 
but then they did the K5 that was not fantastic they had to you know create the PR rating and then the K6 was really competitive with the Pentium 2 in integer not great in 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 uh, floating point which became a huge thing once you know Quake and Quake 2 came out but you know that's that's ancient history but you can kind of still see some parallels now i mean you know nvidia is is kind of strong arming the market mm. because in in ai they they seeded a decade ago and this is this is you cannot fault them for this they seeded universities with hardware and yes. all the software and you know getting people on board with programming with cuda and it is it is paying off in spades it's it's just crazy to see how how I mean Nvidia is, is growing. They're they're reaching Intel revenue numbers per quarter. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. So yeah, and yeah, remember Intel revenue without Intel overhead. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, and then I, well, I mean they they still have overhead. They still got to pay for those chips. But when you're when you're troubleshooting a problematic process node and throwing millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars into it, that's that's something that. NVIDIA doesn't have to do. They can just kind of plan around the schedules of TSMC and Samsung and whatever other partner that, uh, you know, they're looking to have. Well, so, all right, Jeffrey Rays writes in and he says, Josh, I really appreciate your in-depth discussions over the years on PCPR regarding any new NVIDIA GPU architecture that comes out. Given your years of observations of NVIDIA's releases, do you get more excited over the advancements made at the architectural design level or the advancements gained by the latest semiconductor process technology? Also, would love to know what your favorite, maybe top three or five NVIDIA GPUs of all time are. Gosh, that's, that's a Let's lot. leave it at three so that we all can... Right. Well, okay, the top NVIDIA GPUs. Uh, 6,800 was the 1600 gt was a fantastic card uh it it got them back into the game after the really really terrible fx series it was it was no bueno uh geforce 2 ultra was kind of fun uh mm-hmm. it was not a perfect card by any stretch of the imagination and let me tell you um nvidia drivers back in the day when it came to smoothness of, and, and frame delivery was not good. There was so much micro stuttering in uh, in the old GeForce um, and their drivers, and they didn't fix that until quite a bit later. That was one thing I, that, that I think they didn't really fix it till Kepler, if you ask yeah, me. And I think people forget that. Well, so we're on the subject of NVIDIA, which perfectly kind of pivots into one of the first things I wanted to talk about with you. When you came on two years ago, it was late 2021. So I don't know. We were probably talking about Alder Lake, and I did re-listen to parts of the podcast. Um, but but most of our discussion was really about Ampere and how there were a lot of people buying into some of the marketing NVIDIA put out, which was, I, I don't know what makes NVIDIA decide some of the things they say, but it seems to resonate with some people. So whoever works there knows what they're doing, but they said this is like the biggest leap in performance ever at NVIDIA. And I just immediately was scratching my head like Kepler, all these other art go. And there were some times where they over doubled performance in like the 2000s and 90s. Like, what are you talking about? Biggest uplift. Um, and, and we, me and you talked about that a lot in 2021, but it was a little too early to talk about Lovelace where 
I think I had, and some other people had confirmed that was the code name. And there's probably some stuff I don't remember that was also leaked, but that was basically all we knew. But now we've you weren't on around the launch. Now we can talk about it because I really am curious. After talking with me so much about how Ampere's marketing said that it was the biggest uplift in history, and it wasn't. Now we have an uplift with Lovelace, where at least on paper, it's it is actually I think comparable to some of the older gens, where it's it's absolutely massive over Ampere. You have the 4090, which is quite cut down, you know, outperforming the 3090 by 70% plus and ray tracing over double often. And, you know, if they ever made a 4090 Ti, I'm sure they double performance. And yet their marketing weren't happy enough to say doubling performance. They said three to four X and tried to launch the 4080 12 gigabyte. Kind of just threw a lot of things at you. I'm just curious if it's interesting to you how much Lovelace actually is this massive uplift comparable to previous generations from decades ago. And also still, what do you think about that bizarre marketing where they argued this was four times better than last gen? Well, it's, it's, you know, marketing is, is marketing. And I mean, they, they, they sometimes like anybody, I mean, they, they, they use like a spec view perf or, or, you know, a spec 2000, whatever. And, uh, you know, these chips are aimed at, at that kind of stuff. And so, um, as they've gone through the generations, they've added, uh, you know, greater support for, uh, what floating point 16, floating point eight, um, mm-hmm. and eight, all these other, other data sets. And so then they start picking and choosing. and it's like, well, we have, you know, four times the performance in FP eight, even though previous generation wasn't able to split an FP 16 into FP eight by two. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you, you get these huge inflated things that, that it's you know it's it's annoying, but it's it's marketing, and they can just point at graphs and say, "See, I told you so." But you know, when when you're talking day to day stuff that that you and I use, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously you don't get that kind of bump. But we did see a pretty significant bump with the four thousand series, and I kind of wonder if it's it's part design and it's part process tech. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice, I mean, how much power they're able to shove into these chips. And I mean, they require a tremendous amount of cooling, but they're also running upwards of 95C. And this is both on CPU side mm-hmm. and GPU side. And it seems like this generation of, of FinFET technology, it it is a lot more um, resistant to kind of breaking down as the heat increases. You just apply more power and stuff's not like electromigrating in the chip um mm-hmm. even at these these high temperatures and even though higher temperatures means you got to apply more power to it you know there's still got these massive coolers that are taking taking a lot of that heat off and it's just kind of really interesting cuz AMD is doing that with their their 7000 series CPUs i mean they're running a 95c intel with their latest two generations of chips i mean they're pulling a tremendous amount of power more energy than most graphics cards <laughs> yeah and um but they're not kind of breaking down like previous generations of cpus that you would see i mean people would apply a tremendous amount of power to you know like the first gen uh, uh, uh finfet stuff from intel and i mean it would just break it mm-hmm. i remember phenom 2 and bulldozer you didn't want to go over like 70c typically, or it yeah. become unstable. It wouldn't break yeah. necessarily, but it'd crash, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's 
you know, there's the engineering and process engineering and design engineering. I mean, they're closer now than perhaps they've ever been. They have dedicated groups uh, that NVIDIA works, you know, inside TSMC. Uh, and so even though they have their own little, uh, you know, NVIDIA based for N process, um, it's just still essentially five nanometer, but they have groups in there and they've really tweaked it to their design. And this is something that's gone back, you know, since the very beginning in, in the seventies that, that you've got to have not only the design group, but also those engineers at, at the fabs who can help port things over. It's like physicists with a good idea and the actual engineers who implement this stuff. It's, it's, it's a hand in hand thing. Um, in 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 cpu and gpu and and any asic design and so it's it's fascinating where they've got i mean we haven't seen the the kind of performance jumps you know raw performance in in transistors um yeah we've we've gone down in in power consumption and we've increased the density but we haven't seen you know huge jumps in in gigahertz i mean we were stuck at kind of four gigahertz for a while and then you know we went up to five and and now we were were stuck at four right until amd made intel figure it out because i don't know if you remember around the sandy bridge through like haswell era there were multiple interviews i saw where like intel engineers were like Oh, it's just so hard to get past five gigahertz. The second Zen comes out, they're launching five point one, five point two, then six, yeah. now six point two. Yeah, uh, with the i nine forty nine hundred K soon, uh, for or KS soon, and it's like now it seems like you could have, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it it's it's um, you know it's it, there's a lot of black magic involved. I mean, it's 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 almost alchemy when you're talking about process technology and mixing and matching things and. And how you, uh, you know, deposition and what you etch and what you don't etch. And, and uh, you know, etching has, has been made easier by, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, EUV. Uh, so they don't have to have as many as many passes. Uh, what, quad patterning and, and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating where we've gone. And then, of course, Jim Keller the other day uh, said, you know, Moore's Law is not dying it's it's you know we've, we've got a thousand fold increase um from what we're doing and, <laughs> well and, you know what, what he meant by that obviously <laughs> is is the dimensions of a current you know uh structure a transistor structure is still really really big it doesn't get anywhere close to that five nanometer i mean five nanometer is is kind of the the marketing term of the smallest feature that you can kind of measure on on a transistor because these transistors are still you know 100 nanometers by 100 nanometers in size, depending on, on, on what you're, you're working with. And so you can still do a tremendous amount of stuff and, and shrinking with that. And so he's, he's right in that we're not at the end, but I, I still think that Moore's law of, of doubling um, uh, density every 18 months is, is it, I mean, that that's, hasn't been true for a while. It's just that they're doing... But why do you think that is? Why do you think they they're they they are so because Jensen Wang's like, oh, it's dead, and he's not afraid to say it. Yeah. Like, why do we have to like flagellate ourselves at the religion of Moore's law when clearly just using chiplets or 
new forms of cooling, 3D stacking. This isn't Moore's law. So why do we have to keep bringing it up? That's, that's actually why I started my channel. And and I I was actually going to bring this up and I skipped ahead. Uh, Like, I am curious, like both what you think about, like why they obsess over it when, for being honest, the most successful companies are the ones that are moving past the idea of Moore's law. AMD with chiplets, NVIDIA with well, all this other stuff. They're kind of just spending their way out of the issue, <laughs> uh, frankly. But, you know, it's actually, I would also argue, much more interesting than it was in the 90s, where the only reason performance was going up is because they bought the newest node. That's not the case anymore, like no. every time. There's so many well, as AMD put it, levers you can pull for performance now that I, I'd actually argue it's more interesting to look at these architectures and talk about them because they're not always getting from point A to point B in the same way. Yeah, but I, I guess I, think, I just asked you two different things. So no, it's okay. Well, you know, and I, I can cover two different things. And so, okay, one, they always talk about Moore's Law because I think that's primarily a shareholder thing. Yeah, is is they they like they, the shareholders like to hear is like oh we're staying on pace for this constant eighteen month type growth of of new products you know new revisions stuff that that is going to perform better at any given note or whatever uh, that that we can count on that for eighteen months mm-hmm. and in terms of like you know I, I like what AMD has been doing and uh you know the FPGA guys have been doing this as well before but mixing and matching the notes that make mm-hmm. sense so you want dense logic use 5 nanometer note and, and then here in the future 4 and, and 3 um but SRAM size and 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 these caches uh, they they've just kind of stopped shrinking they don't they don't get that that big bump Mm-hmm. Uh, for for all the newer nodes, and so that's why they use this, you know, kind of size optimized, price optimized six nanometer product for their memory controller uh, chiplets and and L two L three cache, I guess, and in, uh, in their GPUs, and so you know that's that gives them a lot more flexibility, and they've mm-hmm. done that before with you know obviously the I O chip, yeah, uh, when the three thousand series of of their CPUs came out. That adopted the the you know the bigger I/O and then the two smaller, um, you know seven nanometer CPU uh, cores. Well, and Intel split out the PCH from the CPU cores in the past too, and they mm-hmm. still do every now and then. You know, to split yeah. the dies up. Oh, and now they're. I mean, this this next generation is going to be all. You know, they they developed the the EMIB and uh, other interconnect technologies and then it's kind of amazing that amd has been able to do what they did uh with just organic pin grid arrays and and uh, traces uh embedded in the organic material um well so all right let me steer this back though so stare back when you see nvidia announce like the four times performance thing and then like the doubling performance with ampere and and not to say they're not they're the only one who does this, but this is what comes to mind, especially because this podcast will be coming out one year after Nvidia announced Lovelace. Mm. Like, do you like? Is that just whatever? They just announce four times the performance they always do. And the reason I bring this up too is, and to be clear, I'm not saying this to defend AMD. I actually, have my thoughts on why it may seem more insidious, but like AMD overshoots their performance and just says up to 70, up to 80%, up to 80%. Turns out it's more like 40% really at best. And they get a ton of flack for it. Meanwhile, NVIDIA the whole time has been saying four times the performance. (laughs) 
is that just because Nvidia's figured out you think if we make it so crazy it works as marketing but the smart people know to ignore it and the AMD seems close enough to reality that it seems like a lie or I guess I'm just wondering like at what point do we like look at some of this stuff and go why why isn't this something that's always pounced on right away? Like, why isn't every article starting with, this is absurd, it's not for it? Like, why isn't every review starting with, not four times the performance? God, do you really want me to go into group psychology? Because I, I, I don't think that I have enough information here. It's, it's, um, maybe, I don't know. I, that's kind of the in the weed stuff we get into on this it show is, sometimes. It's, it's, it, no, you're, you're right. It is bizarre. Um, is it is it just old time forums it's social media is it it's still you know some some um bitterness towards amd because let me tell you back in the day they Hmm. they, they've had some some stickers and uh bulldozer was certainly one that people were excited about and i remember talking to some motherboard guys and uh they're like yeah we uh we developed boards for uh bulldozer and we've got the chips in oh yeah how is it it's slower than the previous gen <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh that's that's not good and so i mean you know I that's don't know. crazy by the way you know yeah that, that was, was actually slower i think and that actually i would like to bring that up too like uh, like i often see people say rdna3 is like bulldozer or there are some people before the reviews came out, they all backtracked on it, mm-hmm. but they'll say Zen four. It was like, is going to be like bulldozer. And I don't think people understand like how bad bulldozer was like RDNA three did increase per- efficiency, add new features and performance at same yeah. price points. Uh, by now they tried to overcharge with one of them, but whatever, you know, um, same thing with, so many other things like they actually do increase like bulldozer went from 40 to 32 nanometer and was worse yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, the, cr- the, with the, a bigger die that's crazy what the the phenom 2 6 core uh 1100t was a faster overall part than the you know fastest bulldozer even though bulldozer had you know four cores eight threads this was you know a true six core processor phenom 2 that right well, so you that think that's what it is, though, like when I brought up that NVIDIA question, because and I do think this is part of a big part of it. Like. I think NVIDIA at least is always going to bring at least that 30 to 45 percent increase. Sometimes they'll be higher, like with Ampere and Lovelace. And well, they're always going to. In fact, you could always say they almost hype it up to twice as good as it really is. Like Ampere's double the performance. It's 50% more. Lovelace is four times the performance. It's more like double. Um, you know, but th- it's a consistent overhyping. They always launch it every it's funny you say he wanted Jensen wanted to do generations every six months. It seems like they just insist it's always every two years now. No. And no. like, but they always do it. Every two years, it does this. They overhype it consistently, so we know how to decode the hype. And AMD, sometimes they underhype it. Sometimes they say Zen 4 is going to have an 8% IPC increase. Gets a, Well, now they just said 14%. And I don't understand what's going on with Zen 4's IPC. AMD keeps changing the number. Yeah. Like, you know, like, and then it just seems like AMD sometimes overhypes, sometimes underhypes, sometimes delivers. Well, and not, I think they always kind of deliver, but sometimes they don't deliver what they said. So uh, do you think it's just the inconsistency and there are some people that just take it 
maybe in the press personally that like, well, I thought it was going to be great. Then it wasn't. And I felt stupid. Whereas with NVIDIA, you always can kind of guess what's going to happen. You know, they're, they're PR and marketing guys. They, they, they've been around for 20 years. They're old hats at this and they kind of know what's going on and what people say. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I'm not trying to downplay their work because they get the word out and they get the word out really effectively. And there's a reason why NVIDIA has 80% of the, the, the standalone GPU market. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's good engineering and it always seems to perform well. And they've, you know, they, this last generation, they, I, I think that they, especially in the output features, I mean, yeah, they, they support, HDMI 2.1, correct? But their yeah. DisplayPoint port is is still what one perplexingly behind, behind even uh, Intel Alchemist, actually, I believe, yeah. which is just it's, weird. It's it's a little bizarre that they they cut corners that you wouldn't always expect. Uh, they were, you know, also, and if I remember little- correctly, Maxwell got like a newer hdmi before anyone else did too when amd was behind with the 290x despite amd being the best at 4k it's almost the same thing but now with lovelace that is weird yeah it's 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 odd what they they kind of pick and choose uh i mean it's not killing them right now uh because very few people play on 8k Mm -hmm. monitors and uh yeah no it's 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 a little odd like um uh, when the 2000 series came out, uh, I, you know, that that didn't even have PCA 4.0, even though you know the rumor was uh, right. the generation that AMD had at that same time, it had 4.0, but they just didn't enable it for power and and uh, um, you know, kind of uh, what is that called? Uh, you think of the Radeon Seven, I think. No, nah, yeah, when 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 they uh, you know cert, yeah, the Radeon Seven, uh, when when they have to make you know certifications for for running at that speed, it was just cheaper to to run as a PCI three even though they had that design in there, and then they you know got everything. You know what the interesting thing is though? Um, it was like a year ago they launched. I don't know. I want. I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, it was. I think there was a professional card based on tu117 so that's the 1650 die um and it had 4.0 and i think they also released and i could be misremembering this so forgive me in the comments if i am but i also think there was like an mx i don't know not five maybe 550 which is basically a cut down 1650 but it had pcie 4.0 or something Hmm. and it's like wait a second this is so you're literally now launching Turing cards that are rebrands with 4.0, meaning they they probably always could have with the entire Turing Maybe. generation. Yeah, I I, I have unless you that. tell me the 1650 die is the only one that had support for it, which sounds odd to me. But you know, yeah, no. Sometimes uh, sometimes they spin out some more revs than. I mean, you know, at Maybe. least they 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 say you know at some 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 A3, whatever, but. You know, again, you know, I'm going to go back and go back in the in the day. Uh, ATI, you know, like the X800 series, they had like seriously five or six different, you know, concurrent different chips that were all under that kind of umbrella, and they had to make things different because they didn't have uh, uh, they didn't have the AGP to PCI 
uh, a, mm-hmm. a chip that, that NVIDIA did that you could just, you know, turn it around and it works that way. They had to have, um, they had to have, you know, two different cards and a different connector. And, and it was, it was, it was, it was just, there's a 3000 series. There were some cards that had two variants, one for each connector, if yep. I remember right, yeah. as late as that. Yeah. I don't know if it went to four thousand or not, but I know uh, there were 3, again, this is this is dusty history, and I've got old man brain, so I, I can't remember as well as as you can anymore, which is sad. Getting out and enjoying the weather, or is it too hot to get outside? Well, either way, whether you're looking for an easy meal on the go or something quick and delicious while you're cooped up inside, Vite Ramen has you covered. This piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Bite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers tons of options for eating healthy. Their classic packages make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, including new flavors like Radiant Crab Ryu. And also, their Ramen Go packages offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break away from home. Or they even have other healthy products like Nano Boost Powder that makes any food at least a little healthy. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on a variety of products, including special bundles for Moore's Law Z fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes, and other food products, powders, cooking utensils, and more. They are a plucky, small, but rapidly growing company that has been good to Moore's Law Z for years. So, you know, supporting them helps support me, and even just clicking on the link below makes a big difference for Moore's Law Z. But I really do like their products, and I recommend you try them as well. So check out Vite Ramen today. Really? Couldn't keep the glasses on for more than a minute? Well, speaking of something that you probably can remember, though, you did tell me that you wanted to talk about the trajectory of the RX 7800 XT and 7700 XT. We're already kind of starting to talk about AMD a little bit here, so I thought maybe we jump into that. Um... You know, what What do you want to discuss about it? Because I think you've seen some of my coverage. And, and before we started recording, I double-checked, as I always do. It still seems like the 7800 XT is basically selling out everywhere yeah. to this day. The 7700 XT, from what I can tell, is selling out in some places in Europe. Not all of them. It's selling, and in the U.S., it's not sold out on Newegg at all. But I have noticed it's selling fairly well at Micro Center at some places where, like, they used to say they had 30 of each, 25 plus of each model in stock. Mm. Now, most micro centers I check, it's like three to five of them. So they seem to be selling above average at micro center. But what that tells me is micro center always has crazy deals. So people will buy the 7700 XT in the US if something gives them that extra like $25 nudge. But no one wants to at 450 or higher. But Again, just summarizing, both of them are still at least selling okay, and one of them's consistently selling out. Yeah, what well, did you want to go on? We, we've got some bias here because, you know, we pay attention to numbers. We, we understand some of the economics about it. And, and uh, you know, we see the prices, and we see the performance, and we see, you know, power draw and all this other stuff. And, you know, we, we kind of make cut and dried statements, and, and we kind of, you know, stick to that. Um, the average person... Who's like, I'm going to go down and buy the 7800 XD at Micro Center. I'm going to drive hour and a half, 45 mm. minutes, whatever, and I'm going to get there. And I'm going to be kind of yeah. sad. I'm going to be kind of sad that the 7800 XD is sold out. But you know what? 7700 XD is still pretty good. 
and better than better. the 4060 Ti, you know. Yeah, and it's better than what I've got installed in my machine right now. Because let me tell you, back in the day, and again, this is the only thing I. This is the, my only shtick. I can remember crap somewhat well. Uh, I went to Best Buy to get a Voodoo 2 12 meg card because I wanted to be able to run it at. I think you could do. Well, no, I, I, I wanted just to have the extra texture memory. So if, if you remember back in the day, they had, you know, four meg of frame buffer and then two meg and two meg for each of the texture engines mm-hmm. or the eight meg card. And then it was four, four, four for the 12. And I wanted the 12, but they were sold out. But I could get an eight meg for, you know, I think it was a hundred bucks less at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I don't want to do it, but I'm here. I might as well just buy it. And I was perfectly happy with it. I mean, the, 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 the you know, lesser texture memory really didn't impact my experience that much just because um, each of them had four megs of frame buffer. So you could only do 800 by 600 at max mm-hmm. anyway. But it was such a huge improvement over my Voodoo 1. And, and you uh, drove there anyways. Yeah, I had to drove down. I had to drive down to Fort Collins, sixty-four miles away from where I live. And oh, yeah, uh, and a lot of people do drive long distance to micro centers too. Oh yeah, because it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, and you know, um, I helped Steve at Hardware Unboxed that seventy-six hundred, no seventy, fifty-six hundred X three D that he tested. Someone that I worked with, that I talked to at Micro Center, helped me get that for him quickly. Mm-hmm. And th- there are some places where they hide the deal. There are other p- places where they're happy to help you get more deals. And Micro Center, at least in my experience, is that like I think I think it became 190 total for this six core VCash mm-hmm. CPU. We didn't have to tell them the deals. They were just like, "Hey, here's." They knew what they could apply at the register without even being told. And I imagine like if you go to a Micro Center, not the same as Newegg. Go to a micro center, no 7800 XT in stock, 7700 XT in stock. I'm sure, and they do have sales reps, are there? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I've got two coupons. We'll make this 400. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'll get it then. That's such an interesting point you're bringing up on why at some places and in some regions it's selling well and not in others. That's it's a pretty major factor, I'm sure, is why you see them selling out at micro center. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going on to a, a tangent there, isn't it interesting that AMD offered Micro Center a unique SKU that not only mm. was unique, but it performed right up there in games with the 5800X3D. In fact, sometimes a little bit better because, you know, there was more L3 cache per core than, you know, the, the 5800X3D had. So it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously trying to, to butter up their friends because I remember walking in earlier this summer mm-hmm. and i mean it's just a huge wall of nvidia cards right and then they've kind of got this smaller case of all the amd radeon stuff and it's mm-hmm. and it's um and it's significant difference uh i mean the 7600 at that time was was still selling well and and they were cheap at micro center so i'm just kind of wondering if if this isn't uh uh kind of a tactical move by AMD to try to get some more wall space from, you know, what is now the, the major computer, uh, you know, brick and mortar reseller in the, in the U S yeah. well, and I'll, 
I, I guess I don't have any specifics, but a couple people at micro centers told me that are kind of like higher up at the company said more stuff's coming. Like AMD noticed that when they need to get rid of stock, move units, they just always seem to sell better at micro center that unfortunately to the European listeners, it does sound like micro center is going to probably get some new exclusive stuff yeah. uh, as well. So I think there's something going on here where AMD realizes like cultivating this relationship Man, it seems to pay dividends every time they do it. And in fact, I'm sure they've also noticed, like when I talk to, whether it's people at Amazon, Newegg, Best Buy, man, Zen 4 is selling really well at Micro Center compared to Intel right now. For, for I think for numerous reasons. They do keep giving away RAM with it, to be fair. But like it seems like that's a place where AMD realizes there's, there's just a lot of opportunity as well. Well, so going back to the 7800 XT and 7700 XT, you did specifically sound, it sounded like you had more to say, though, about like what you expect out of the sales trajectory or success of those cards long term. You know, they've, they've done some interesting things in, in, you know, a lot of people have applied it to a, as a negative that the 7700 and the 7800 are so close. But I'm kind in of price, wondering yeah. if, if that a little bit isn't by, by, by thought. Um, by, by, it's, if it's not really artificial or wholly, uh, uh, arb- it's not all arbitrary. No, I, I yeah, I, I think what it is is we probably will not see as much of an erosion on the seventy eight hundred because the seventy seven hundred is going to be taking some of those hits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like okay, the seventy eight hundred is a great value, seventy seven hundred is a crap value. But then you start, you know, relative to each other. Yeah, and so you start taking the seventy seven hundred down, and it's like you know. You've you've got this peg with the seventy eight hundred that just it's pegged it's there, and then it's 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 just all how people see it, and eventually you know when when the seventy seven hundred is is running at three ninety nine, mm-hmm. then they're gonna be like oh this is finally where it's supposed to be, and I feel comfortable buying the seventy seven, but you know still I'll get that seventy eight because it's a hundred dollars more, and I think that that. Um, it's almost an anti-price erosion thing that AMD has done because their higher-end product is going to stay at that four ninety-nine price, while the seventy-seven hundred, you know, the, the cut down that they originally offered at four forty-nine, they should have offered at three ninety-nine, uh, or is, or at least four twenty-nine, something. Yeah. It's it's, it's going to go down, and it makes the the value of the seventy-eight hundred just seem still very good. But mm-hmm. you're not mad at the 7700 anymore. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's it's again kind of psychology. Do you, do you see where I'm kind of coming from in this? It's it's just well, and AMD actually said in an interview, uh, I thought it was hilarious. Like uh, Scott Herkelman in a recent interview gave a like a lot of just pretty honest answers where they were like, well, what do you think is going to happen with the 7700 XT price? And his answer was, well, we have a lot of innovative partners that will find ways to get it to the price they need it to be. And he basically just said, we know AIBs are going to put different coolers on this within a few months and make it 400 bucks. Like yeah. he openly, he all but said that, yeah. but he, but he didn't, what he left out is, and we're doing this. So at launch, when we have the Starfield bundle, maybe a few more of them sell at the higher price. Yeah, and that's that's actually some really solid thinking. And looking around, people have actually bought the same. It's it's not a bad card at all. 
It's just it's that, bad, rel- bad. It's yeah, less relative. value relative to the seventy eight hundred XT. Yeah. But if you can, it's hardware and box own numbers show this. Like it's the second best value card on the market after. Yeah. So you're not getting a forty sixty Ti instead of this thing. So yeah. that's probably what they told themselves is mm, it's still the. If it yeah. wasn't for that other card, it'd still get good reviews. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna paint this one with you know gold lacquer or whatever. I don't know, and 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 get it up there and and. Yeah, it may not sell initially very good, but there's going to be stock around and people mm-hmm. are, you know, like, especially in a physical location. 7800 is not there. Well, I might as well get a 7700. I, I came all this way. What's the point? Well, you know, this really kind of backfired, though, on the 7900 XT. It was, and it's a really interesting one because that one's cut down by 20%. Um, relative to the 7900 XTX. And I remember seeing that $900 and $1,000 price point. And a lot of people thought this, like this seems like they're trying to make the top one look good. Mm-hmm. Like this is so weird. And it's well, actually cut down uh, a lot. There's probably not going to be a lot of these cards on the market. But then when I asked people at AMD and I looked at, I asked people in the supply chain, they're like, Eighty percent of the initial stock is seventy nine hundred XT, so they actually think. And Hardware Unboxed actually said on record that AMD thought nine hundred was an aggressive price, and now they're seven fifty. That really seems like it backfired, though. Like, what? It's seventy seven hundred selling well relative to it, and it sounds like you think that this is kind of a smart move. But would you say the seventy nine hundred XT was a smart move? That one really seemed like it should have been eight hundred, even if you're trying to make the other one look good. And I'm just curious why you think why now this may be smart, but before it was not, and what the difference is. No, uh, yeah, I, I think this is kind of the, s- the same situation. It's almost like they copied, they like the results of the throughput of the seventy nine hundred XTX and the seventy nine hundred XT. And they applied that to the 7800 and the 7700. I mean, it's it's damn near identical because the first thing when those cards came out, why would you buy this at $900 when you get so much more performance at a thousand? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. The the thousand dollar one sold out absolutely instantly. And I don't know, you know, the numbers. What you say is is probably true, but. You know, at the same time, is there was a lot of it, them. They never went out of stock, really. Yeah, I guess that's what we can agree. XTs. At least from public information. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so, but yeah, that that XDX was always gone for months on end, mm-hmm. and so it's almost like they're pumping up the top earner by putting the second one so damn close that the top one looks like such an incredibly good deal. Well, I guess this though gets us into, but, but like, and you might have to just trust me when I say this, but when I talk to people, um, a lot of AMD's partners, you know, their AIB partners, they're actually pretty mad at AMD about that. Like they have a lot of 7,900 XTs they can't get rid of. In fact, mm-hmm. what I heard is the 7,900 golden rabbit edition. That was a way to just dump stock. You mm-hmm. look at it, they they're saving $20 on RAM and disabling four compute units. It's that's basically an artificial segmentation. Yeah. Like they are get that, that, that model is there so they could dump. I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was like somewhere between four and 20,000 dies or something that they didn't even want to bother shipping out of China, (laughs) that they were like, the reason it's in China is because they're like, we don't even want to bother shipping these. (laughs) We're just going to cut them down by like a few percent 
and call it the Golden Rabbit edition and just dump it into China for six fifty. So to me, that tells me that there has to be some people at AMD who have to acknowledge that was a mistake. That yeah. even if you're going to make the other one look good, well, whatever, it still should have been eight fifty, eight hundred, because there are a lot of people that just instead of. By the way, I've heard this. There were people that when the 7900 XTX was sold out at Micro Center, they said, yeah, screw that. I'll get the 4080 then. I'm not getting the XT <laughs> like that. So I just, I, I wonder like if you think AMD's like, well, it'll, it will work this time or, and I think there are reasons this is a different situation than that one. But I'm just curious if you like, if you think there was more thought put in it than that, or they're just like, well, hopefully it will work this time. I, boy. I mean, I think it is working better at this time, but you're also dealing with, you know, a $450 price point rather than 900 mm-hmm. Just double that. Which it might as well be 1000 at that point. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. would probably and argue. So it's just, you know, if, you're, if you can afford a $900 video card, you can, you can get $1,000. It's, it's, but if, if, if you're looking at $500, you're, 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 you're more limited. I mean, oh, do I get it? 4070 for a hundred dollars more than that that actually 150 more than the other yeah, 12 gigabyte yeah. 7700xt yeah and so it just it's it's yeah it's it's an interesting play i don't entirely understand it i mean you know her herkelman likes to do the debated stuff and so that that may just maybe maybe just you know it was a swing and a miss i don't know mm-hmm. but um it's kind of interesting because about six months ago was it six months ago? Maybe about four. That I really noticed kind of an uptick of talk about the 7900 XT just because it had dropped so low that it became... At 750 I think it's a very good buy. Yeah, I think um, it's an excellent yeah. buy. And uh, But the thing is, is that nobody, nobody really wants to market it very mm-hmm. much. I mean, they, 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 they've stopped sending out um, samples, because, I mean, somebody come out with a review, it's like, okay, this has now dropped $150. It's right in the, in the, in the middle of, of kind of what is the new meat of the really enthusiast market. Why aren't we seeing a lot of these new reviews with, you know, updated drivers mm-hmm. and updated software? That Hardware and Box more- did, but they're the only ones that I've noticed that have yeah, really done nobody this. else is doing it. I mean, we, I've, I've contacted some other people. It's like, are you interested in exploring this? And, and it's just radio silence. It's like, do you really want to sell these cards? I mean, because right now it's 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 at a spot where twenty gigs of memory. It's it's yeah. still got excellent raster performance. It, it beats the thirty ninety Ti. I mean, yeah. it is it is not a weak card. No, it is it is not. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't always understand uh, uh, where you know. I think that a lot of the partners and Nvidia and AMD themselves were really. Um, a lot of their internal metrics are all based on what they saw during the COVID years where everything was oh, yeah. insane. And that has entirely skewed their perception away from the actual buying market. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's just some, you know, there are a lot of smart people there and they understand mm-hmm. this stuff. But I just wonder if there's some like bean counter metrics that they put in place and like these need to hit these things. Oh, and they're uh, still following them even though they've had like... 10 data points to tell them no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see in the next year where that's going to go, because if, if, you know, if I, if I were to buy a new card today, the 7900 XT would be one of my tops just because mm-hmm. 
it's at a price where some people can afford, most people can. Well, okay. I'm You're not, far but, enough away from $1,000 where it's not $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, I just didn't spend half my mortgage on freaking mm-hmm. video card. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's fascinating. I would love to listen in on, on some of these marketing and, and production meetings um, and hear what they're saying and what their actual metrics are and, and, you know, what are their goals? What do they really want to do? I mean, is it, is it better for them to sell a bunch of 7,800 XTs that are, you know, smaller GPU die, two less memory controller cache chips, mm-hmm. and uh, an easier way to, to bond all those together rather than, you know, the big GPU and six? Um, I don't know. You know, well, it, so I think an interesting you know, like thing to point out too is, and I actually talked about this with Dan on the last live stream, a co-host of Broken Silicon News episodes. Like the seventy eight hundred XT just is now the standard of value. Like the seventy nine hundred XT, which I thought looked like a good deal at seven fifty. Um, it's if we're being generous, thirty percent better than the seventy eight hundred XT in performance, right? But it costs well five hundred five fifty. 600 650 700 it's you know 50 percent more money at at best usually now and yet it's only 30 percent better this kind of sucked all the oxygen out of the room this one card that's just clearly better performance in it per per dollar than everything else around it do you think amd is wise to just kind of let the chips keep falling where they may or you know like you say, like they need to do some marketing. Like my my, and I'll just say it. My personal opinion is it's time to just go for it if they're ever going to. Like you've seen Nvidia do pretty well here and there, but then fall flat with a lot of releases this year. And AMD's kind of stumbled around too. But now the seventy eight hundred XT is pretty much the first card since the forty ninety that's actually selling well. Mm-hmm. And is it time for AMD to just do a new marketing blitz with new prices? Like is it time to go? From what their old MSRPs were to like 900, 700, 500, 450, and then maybe drop the 7600 to 250, and then ask reviewers to do re reviews, send out samples again. Because yeah. my personal opinion is hey, we're right about into the shopping season. Do it now, drop the prices. You now know at 500, this level of performance sells like gangbusters. Adjust everything down to be at least close to in line with that. And you have Starfield. This these things will fly off. This is your chance to try to, to take market something. share. Like, yeah, do you think well, they should do that or just wait and hope everything okay, makes a little here, more money? Here's the big thing that has really muddied the waters: sixty-seven hundred XT, which is three hundred and twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Sixty-eight hundred, which are now. I mean, they're pretty much all sold out at four hundred dollars, though. But there's still sixty-eight hundred XTs, sixty-nine hundred XTs, and sixty-nine fifty XTs which are all price performance competitive with a lot of these cards. Yeah, 7900 XT has has uh, you know some advantages there. But boy, people look at those specials and I mean they're they're starting to dry up. And you know, perhaps once they do dry up, we will see you know a little bit more vigor on AMD side about uh, marketing the 7900 XT because it it is a jump. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they will be able to adjust the price more, but yeah, it's it's just that they had so much stock of mm-hmm. these six thousand series in 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 the closet that uh, 
only now are we starting to see, you know, those things drop off. And mm-hmm. uh, it's good, but at the same time, you know, it, it's about six months too late for them to have totally dropped that, but they would just have eaten a tremendous amount of money to uh, to just, you know, buy back those chips from partners or, or whatever. Um, so I don't know. It's It sounds like you think if they think they're through their old stock, then they should do this. I think but so. they have to be through it. Yeah, yeah, because that just, you know, people... They would just say, well, why don't you just get a 6900 XT? It's it's $100 cheaper, and it's still really fast, and it's got 16 gigs of memory. Mm-hmm. And it beats out a 3090 most of the time. So mm-hmm. that's that's a big selling point. And when they were hitting 599 and specials, that's extremely hard to ignore because that's a really solid product. All right, so I actually, though, want to pivot into... The NVIDIA side of this, Zave Beto 3 writes in and asks, last generation NVIDIA didn't lower prices until the near of the end of the gen. Well, there are also shortages and a mining boom that made that happen. Yeah. But but he goes on, this time, as soon as AMD releases a competing car, the 7800 XT, NVIDIA lowered their prices on the 4060 Ti and the 4070. What's different this time? Why did they lower prices this time, twice in a row, the 4060 Ti and then the 4070? And why didn't they before? And I do think what I would like point out is I, I think the 4080 is one of the worst price cards in history. They've refused to lower the price on it for a very long time now. I'm wondering if that's about to change. Uh, but why, why do you think, and, and I, I leaked this actually with two different videos. One of them, when AMD announced the, 40, the 7700 XT, the 7800 XT, I was tipped off, hey, you're about to see a bunch of 4060 Ti 16 gigabytes hit 450. Like clockwork, a week later it happened, you know, and now I was told not before it happened, but right when it was happening by the same person at NVIDIA, hey, uh, you may want to go look at 4070 pricing. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, it's now 550. There are now multiple models that are 550. This is not an official price drop, but behind the scenes, look, there's the MSRP and then there's just for everyone listening. Then there's the price partners actually buy the cards from NVIDIA for. Yeah. You know, th- that's what's going on. And, and NVIDIA is charging their partners less. So why do you think they were willing to do this with two cards all of a sudden, but not with anything else this generation? Even though I think we both agree the 4080's price is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I just wonder if it isn't uh, more about moving stock at, at those price points. Uh, because... Again, very few people buy $1,200 video cards, even fewer buy $1,500 and $1,600 cards, even though I agree with you. 4090 is at least in line with performance and price with previous generations. Mm-hmm. And in fact, is, is kind of a, a better hit than like the 3090 originally. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's even before, you know, uh, the, 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 the crypto inflated pricing mm-hmm. that, that you got to see. Um, cause it, it does, it does deliver. It, it is a monster car yeah. pretty much across the board. Um, I agree with you. The 4080 is just bunk. I mean, that's, that's a, a terrible, terrible card at 1100 to 1200 bucks. You don't mm-hmm. get a whole lot. It is far less. I mean, you think the 7,700 to 7,800 XD is, is a bad jump. No, it's it's the, the seven eight hundred. No, the forty eighty is 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 even worse. It's fifty percent um, more than the thirty eighty, with like 
maybe 40% more performance. It's yeah, not good. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's awful. And it's only got 16 gigs while, you know, a $750 AMD card has 20. And then mm-hmm. the other one is 24 and it's yeah. at the same price and it's killing it in raster. The only thing that it doesn't is, uh, is in ray tracing performance, especially, you know, truly RTX, uh, um, adapted uh, titles that yeah. you know they don't always work real well on on the amd radeon stuff but does fine but i i just don't i look at that and it's like just why and and, and i think i did a die um calculation with some of the numbers that we have available mm-hmm. um and after processing each of those 4080 chips are around 175 to 200 dollars just mm-hmm. bare. I mean not not the bare chip but but the the process though. It's it's on its substrate. It's got the nice little glue around it and all the caps and everything. Yeah. I mean it's it's at max essentially a $200 part and then you start figuring 16 uh, gigs of memory they're boards. To be fair, they're putting ridiculously expensive coolers, coolers on, them. on them. Which that that's probably the largest price of anything because they're they're getting yeah. They're, they're putting a forty ninety cooler on a card that has yeah. almost half the die size. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. a waste. Yeah, the thing never breaks sixty degrees. It's ridiculous. The yeah. coolers. I mean, they it's, put it's, on it's lovely from an end user, uh, but if you're actually buying it, then yeah, no, it's 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 terrible. And so, um, I think that they're just trying to to move stuff at that lower end point mm-hmm. but they don't care about the thousand i mean the the thousand to twelve hundred dollar it's it's again it's i really wish i could see some of the numbers i mean mm-hmm. is it two percent of the buying public i mean the person who buys a 1500 is that one percent uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're looking from from uh, 400 to 500, you know that probably encompasses 25 percent of of the enthusiast market. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if if I mean the partners rely on on throughput of of you know sell through, and they were never going to sell a whole lot of these a thousand plus cards. You're going to mm-hmm. get some of these really top end ones at 1500 that will sell out, but how many are even on the marketplace? I mean, I think uh, I heard numbers of of five thousand to ten thousand forty nineties at release worldwide, which mm-hmm. is peanuts. That's that's. Wait, I'm not, sorry. What'd you say? I thought it was it was in between five and ten thousand cards available at launch for the forty ninety. No, that was the thirty ninety. Uh, that's very close. Forty mm-hmm. ninety. I've heard they've sold. One to two hundred thousand, actually. That there was a lot of forty nineties at, at release, or or just mm-hmm. in the past year. At, at well, so it's interesting at release, and then they've. I, what I've reported is that they have been throttling supply since then. But I do think that's because they are pivoting as much supply as possible towards AI cards, yeah. which I believe it's called the LS forty. I brought this up several times without saying the name. I really should know the name of it if I'm going to keep bringing L L forty you know, AI card. And then if I go to the data sheet for its specs, let's see. Hmm. 18,176 CUDA cores, 384 bit bus. Sound familiar. It's a, it's, it's 8102. And so, uh, but they don't, no one's really wants 4080 dies for AI work. They want 4090 dies. They want dies. the big fat. Yeah. 
So yeah. no, my understanding is they had a huge launch. Like that really was a big one. That was really the only successful Lovelace launch with a lot of product. And mm-hmm. the reason I think sales are also trailing down on that one is uh, I think there's only so many people who are going to spend $1,600, even if it is a good deal. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I certainly am not. And I, I am an enthusiast, but I just, I just can't mm-hmm. bring myself to do that. Even though I'd probably use it for three years, maybe four at this rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still is, is, uh, that's, that's such a, that's such a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think, I think the AI colors NVIDIA's, um, monetization of, of, of how they're, they're spending resources because it's obviously exploding. And unlike crypto, which is a solution that, that's still looking for a problem, um, AI actually has, usable technology it's it's stuff that can be not only marketed but utilized i mean even the you, company you can work, use it for ramming teslas into ambulances you can you <laughs> can do that yeah, uh, but uh, i will be honest i'm a little skeptical of a lot of the ai stuff personally i mean obviously it's here to stay i look at um some of the stuff you can do with with putting artists out of work, uh, but and other stuff, and um, th- I'm going to be honest. There's a part of me that thinks it's actually pretty comparable to crypto um, in its yeah. current form. Well, let me let me let me kind of open your eyes to something that that is not the the GPT, not the artwork, not stuff like that. So I work for uh, an environmental uh, statistics firm uh, in my day job that mm-hmm. I do a lot of uh, sysadmin stuff for, and. We have collected thousands of videos, you know, tens of thousands, videos, pictures, data, points, everything. And you can only hire so many interns to go through this stuff. So, for example, we uh, worked on a project with a a northern migratory bird that we flew a drone over hundreds of miles of of seashore, Mm -hmm. uh, taking pictures and spotting these nests. And... We had to, you know, literally hire interns to go through frame by frame and mm-hmm. pointing out what these nests are and their accuracy is not always great. Kind of like uh, spy planes in the Cold War, just literally having thousands of secretaries yeah. look at pictures and then exactly. have other people look at them after them. Exactly. And so what we have done is we've used machine learning and previous kind of marked up examples where it learns then from these marked up examples, it, you know, does its kind of magic in there. And then it goes through everything really, really fast at like 99% accuracy versus an intern being 60% Mm -hmm. accurate. And we have years and years worth of data that we're still trying to get through Mm -hmm. and get good numbers off of. And in terms of machine learning, AI and stuff like this, this is a godsend because it's better than humans and it can do it so much faster. And this is not just, you know, like chat GPT crap, which is impressive on its own, right? But it's some not- of it's useful already. Um, yeah. It's just the issue I have with like everything you said. Yeah. And I know people using it for like mega scanning and well, the list goes on and on of these things you can use it for to go through data quickly. It is super useful for that. My question is how much is it going to scale up? in the next three years consistently and in a linear fashion and how much is it you you just solved the problem you, you did it you know 
You know what I, I wonder if you know what I mean by that. Like, because I see a lot of companies buying up these graphics cards, I'm sorry, AI cards, mm-hmm. and uh, using them to get off, to hit the ground running, like build models, test things. And I can't help but think in a few years, they're not going to be using these cards anymore. What they're going to do is build their own custom silicon, just like Tesla did, just like, I mean, all these companies, Amazon's doing, where they use NVIDIA to train and get going but then once they know what the problem is and how to solve it they build their own custom silicon that is something that i'm wondering though like how many of these cards being bought for that are being bought now to do that and after that they're going to use other things which by the way is what happened with bitcoin they stopped using graphics cards they moved on to asics yeah yeah, to uh yeah custom stuff um it's it is not just a complex problem in terms of hardware but is definitely that of software and as we previously talked about it's it's been you know over a decade that nvidia seeded you know cuda into universities where these students would learn on this they would understand it and then they'd go on to jobs and people would be like well we need to do this well i learned it on cuda okay we can we can utilize that and these guys Mm. have gone up the ranks and they're using what they're comfortable with which is all cuda and so there is a software side that is significant uh, mm-hmm. because the guys, the, the coders and whatnot that we bring into the company to do this machine learning, they use a CUDA framework because that's what they know. And mm-hmm. to do it by themselves or to use some of these open products, uh, they're just not sophisticated enough to, to get the results that they can get by using a CUDA framework. And so NVIDIA, not only are great at, at actual design, and they've got thousands of years of experience with the, the current engineers, you know, things that other guys have to, you know, kind of build from scratch. And, and you know, Amazon has spent a lot of money uh, mm-hmm. with their stuff. Google has spent a tremendous amount of money to try to catch up. And there's just, you know, there's just institutional know-how that, is not in place that has been there for 30 years. They've, they've seen these problems pop up again and again, and they know a lot of the solutions, even though we're talking about far more complex processors and process nodes. Uh, there, there are still just things in, 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 you know, design flow that they know what pitfalls to, to avoid. And so, yeah, maybe eventually these guys will, will come up, but you know, NVIDIA and, and, you know, and AMD to a, certain point they're, they're going to have an edge on these mm-hmm. guys just because this is what they do they're not they're not a a a, a home product shipping group that sells books and everything else and they're also focusing on you know amazon data and i know i'm simplifying that way too much because um amazon has has built up their computational resources so much and uh but but it's it's it there is a focus there that amd and nvidia and intel have that these other guys just do not yet and it's hard to afford and and you kind of look at kind of the disappointment of the latest version of the apple silicon i mean they bought out pa semi ages ago they've brought in more people to work on these design groups and mm. initially they had really good success because they melded in you know what essentially a walled garden that they controlled everything that they 
could and they put in certain accelerators into their products and they're like this does x amount of stuff really really well in these thermal and uh, power things because we control from the beginning to the end and it's really super optimized for this we work with adobe and 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 all these other groups to to really focus on this and uh, it does very well but the last couple of generations have not seen that initial kind of pop that uh, some of their first products did, you know, had just because the market catches up. And also, I mean, you can only put in so many accelerators into any one chip and, and expect good general performance because you're, you're using up so much more of the silicon for these specialized accelerators. Does that make sense to you? Well, no, I, on the Apple thing, it's funny. Um, a couple of days ago, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll have been like five days ago. But on the last live stream, uh, people asked about the A17 silicon and like, what's, you know, do people misunderstand? Like, why is in, is Apple's increase, you know, only this much? Does this mean TSMC's not doing well? And I said, might I propose that AMD and Intel are better at making CPUs? <laughs> like, is this such a fucking crazy thing to say? But I no, mean, it's, it's like not crazy. A- Apple popped off when Intel was a basket case and before AMD fully realized the Zen architecture, which they have now. And I think, yeah, Apple's initial, then Apple hired Jim Keller and made, you know, some really good stuff. And Maybe they need to hire him again is the thing that I would argue. Um, although I, I have reasons for thinking it, it, it is a little more complex. I think they might actually not think making the CPU that much stronger this gen is as important as it is for AMD and Intel where they have to. It has to be better because it's not programmed to the metal and it's not always firing as it's not as efficient at doing some things as it is in an Apple ecosystem where they know Adobe is going to program it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my defense of Apple. My con- criticism is maybe they're not as good as AMD and Intel. And I don't think that's that crazy of a thing to suggest. Oh, no. Um, Ever get exhausted looking for a safe way to pay reasonable pricing for Microsoft software amongst tons of questionable listings on eBay and shady websites? Well, now you don't have to do this any longer, not if you go to cdkeyoffer.com. This piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com and their back-to-school sale. Whether it's Microsoft operating systems, Office products, or even many of the latest AAA games, cdkeyoffer.com provides PC gamers with a product that I honestly think this community does need in a world where far too many of our components that make up our PCs are getting more expensive every year The last thing we need is monopolistically priced software to remain on that list of stupid stuff we pay too much for. And you know, the Moore's Law's Dead team has been working with CDKeyOffer.com for many years for a reason. They've been good to me. They've been good to Dan. They've been good to family members that use their website when they build a PC. And they've been good to the Moore's Law is Dead community as well. So whether you're looking for Steam, EA, Uplay, or PlayStation keys, or of course Microsoft products, Support Moore's Law is Dead by using the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Microsoft products or Die Shrink for 3% off everything else. Support us at cdkeyoffer.com today. Well, steering the conversation, though, back to AI, uh, wouldn't you say, though, like, you know, with this, this time it's real, right? Because people have been hyping up AI forever. That's for sure. I definitely think so, Anne. I think, like, definitely the automated 
secretary, personal assistant use, that's going to be a thing, you know, kind of throwing ideas at the wall without making you waste all of your time. Obviously filtering through data, like you brought up, that's all going to be useful. But, you know, if you're betting on NVIDIA and AI, wouldn't you say you're not, this is my argument, at least you're not really betting on them being this far ahead forever. You're betting. They're also going to be first to the next thing because what they're doing right now is making general purpose graphics cards that are kind of really only useful for general AI stuff and training. Once you actually figure out the app, it's going to be other hardware that does it. And when people say the AI market's going to be whatever number gets you gets you off, you know, like they'll just say, oh, it's a hundred trillion dollar market. You know, whatever they say it's going to become. Well, that market's not going to be built by Hopper. That market's going to be built by custom MI400 variants and all the stuff actually running the apps you build with Hopper. That's what they need a lot of. You know what I mean? They need Hopper to build the apps now. Once the apps need all the computing power, they're going to need the next thing. So I'd argue if you're betting on NVIDIA, which I don't own stock in any of these companies, so I'm allowed to just be yeah, unbiasedly throwing out my idea. That's a decision I deliberately made. Um, like, you know, when you, you're really betting that NVIDIA is going to be one step ahead, next step, not that this is the next step. They, they man, they, they time Hopper's release perfectly. Oh, it was. It was. You know. This was. This is seriously once in a generation type uh, growth. That they've experienced. And MI 300 is fantastic. It's just six months later than it should have been yeah. to really hit this boom, if we're yeah, being and, honest. And again, software makes the world go round. And that is one thing that NVIDIA has. That Intel, I mean, even Intel, who probably is one of the greatest compiler programming uh, corporations in, in, in the world. I mean, their software is really, really good. I mean, yeah, you may have some problems with their Wi-Fi drivers and may not run Starfield great, but when you tar- start looking at, at at some of their tools that they provide their customers, I mean, it is it is top-notch stuff. And they don't have anything to compare with, with NVIDIA. With Which is this. why I think they're going to keep selling these AI things for at least the next year. It's not really because I, I'm sure they will dominate the market forever. It's because... They're the only ones selling shovels in San Francisco in the 1800s. That's what's going on. <laughs> this is that's that is very apt, and I think that is that is serious. I mean, because AMD's been working on this stuff, but until three years ago, they just didn't have the budget to really hire on the amount of people they need to do to do the software development for mm-hmm. a lot of their really professional stuff. They've relied on on OpenCL, OpenGL. You know, Vulcan, um, you know, I mean, they, they, they provided that stuff to, to make Vulcan, you know, uh, which was great and all. Um, but just that the framework that, that CUDA gives you for getting an, an application off the ground and getting real results, companies look at that. Time is money. And they, they, they do not want to reinvent the wheel when you've got a tool available and all you have to do is buy an NVIDIA graphics card. Mm-hmm. Well, no, an L40, which is now an AI <laughs> GPU. <laughs> yeah, um, we we don't use any of those. We we use a uh, we use RTX 3090s and an mm-hmm. RTX 4070s. Oh, because they they've got enough they've got enough memory space for this exact thing you're using it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, we were not you know DG X ones or whatever the hell the the latest things are. I mean, we're not we're not willing to spend 150 grand on things that 
quite often break down. Uh, Do you remember Carmack saying weeks ago, oh, yeah, I've had two of these damn things, and and, and and they've had to send them both in for service because they just died. Um, He's not the only one. Uh, But their graphics cards are still, I mean, even from bad partners like Gigabyte. I mean, they're they're still lasting, and, and they're well worth the the price of admission when you're actually doing work that you can build a client, and not only work that you can build a client, but accurate work. And if you also think about where we're sitting just right now, we have two things going on. One, we've got a good 40 years of digital data that we can go through mm. and figure stuff out, and that all needs going over data that we have now and are moving in the future is higher quality data. I mean, more megapixels, more frames, uh, more cameras out there, um, multiple views, stuff like that. And so you're not only just, you know, doing the data, you're, you're getting larger amounts of better quality data. And that makes a difference in, in when you're, you're, you're turning, you're, you're processing this stuff. And so it's going to, I would say for the next 10 years, we're looking at just going through a backlog of stuff that, mm. that we have sitting on hard drives, you know, suffering bit rot that people well, are going to want to go from, over. By the way, the 1800s and like World War One, like AI can make it, can add voice. Like uh, there's a great documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old. Yeah where they used AI. They probably wish they would have waited till now so it yeah. looked better, but it still looked incredible when it came out. Yeah. And they add voice and remaster and add color to World War One footage. And it's yeah, just... Yeah, it's a fantastic thing to It's watch. incredible. It's yeah. like, I actually showed it to my girlfriend and she was blown away. Like, oh my God, it's like we're in a time machine. I can yeah. actually see what this looked like. And before it just was unwatchable. And we have 150 years worth of media like that we can, we can, we can address. Mm. Um with stuff like this, if, if they're willing, but again, it's scientific data. I mean, all the data is there. It's recorded. It's, it, it probably needs to be transferred to some, some new kind of media, but it's, it's just, you know, thousands and thousands of, of man years in person years or whatever to go through <laughs> this stuff that we just simply don't, we don't have, we don't have the workforce for, we don't have the expertise. And, uh, this is, this is the killer application. For AI, I mean, chat GPT, real time, you know, kind of babblefish type stuff of, 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 you know, translating languages. I mean, that's, that's all great and it's going to be useful, but I mean, there's, there's going to be, you're only going to get so good at that stuff before it's, I mean, it's just magic and you're going to be able to do it on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking back at, at hundreds of years of data from, from tens of thousands of of archives and uh, uh sources i mean that's just we will learn so much more about our world and where it's going and then we're talking about using all that data and modeling even more complex stuff in the future and that's just going to take that performance needs up another level year after year after year because you have these massive data sets and you have more complex models and you need better compute to be able to figure out what in the hell they're trying to do. And so it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it is a solution that has found its, its problem. Well, you know, it's funny you say that though. And I agree that 
there are a lot of companies that are going to do that correctly. But the, it's not that I think there's an AI bubble because there aren't people that will do things usefully. Like you go back and look at the dot-com bubble and it's like, no one would say Google was a failure or yeah. any of this stuff. But if you go back and look at the dot-com bubble, unfortunately, so many of these useful companies <laughs> crashed when the dumb ones did just because... Actually, it was funny. When I used to trade stocks, there was this one green energy company that I made some money off of that I couldn't figure out why they weren't worth more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, why did they crash this one year, 10 years ago? I don't... They've been doing... They've been smooth sailing for decades. And it was because Enron went down. (laughs) And so then every green energy company took a hit. And so I thought they were undervalued. And I'm just, but it's just, I don't know how a lot of people that trade stocks don't look at it that way. They're just like, well, because of pets.com, but Google. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's how these markets work sometimes. And that's my concern with an AI bubble. Not that all companies aren't doing useful stuff with it, but that a lot of companies will say, AI, we the blockchain, oh, we got to buy, everything yeah. needs to use it, even though it's only really useful for Oh, the Wyoming government is going to do a stable coin. And yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's called the US dollar. It's already digital. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like all of these things. And I think some companies are going to buy up a bunch of H100s and find out, Oh, we didn't need these, and that's where the crash comes and, from. Well, not only that is is that that they have this pie in the sky vision, and they right. sold that to investors just like they did in 1997. Oh, you got a website? Yeah, I got a website. Oh, let me write this. Then you're worth ten times yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean it's going to be the same thing. It's like, well, we've got this vision for this. I mean, this. So kind that's of my concern here. with the AI yeah, bubble. So right? I mean, you know that you you are absolutely correct. There are going to be there is going to be corpses in the grass um mm-hmm. with with ai because there are going to be people who will overpromise and again pie in the sky type stuff that will not work but because if you listen to any any tech stock analyst thing they will constantly say ai we my are, washing we machine has ai wash yeah, and I, me and my girlfriend laughed so hard. I mean, oh, it, it's awful. It scans the weight. It works well. It's not AI, yeah. guys. Yeah. Oh, the funniest one. Tempur-Pedic has a new AI mattress. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, I, I, I think <laughs> that uh, you're, you're correct. There is going to be a crash, and Nvidia will, you know, lose revenue just because there's going to be some. Uh, there's going to be some a lot of used hardware out there by companies who. Venture capitalists have thrown money at, and they've bought this stuff, and nothing useful has been ever thrown out. But I guess I'm just saying this from as 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 a small company, a small developer mm-hmm. that is directly benefiting already. It is absolutely, and it is a godsend to our work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've told this one on the podcast. We set up three thermal cameras, three full spectrum cameras around a wind turbine. Uh, we have images saved to a large chunk of storage on the NAS and we watch birds and bats getting hit by wind turbine blades Mm -hmm. and the problem okay the the problem is is we don't know how many you know of these creatures are getting whacked Mm -hmm. because when they hit them they're they're getting whacked because those the blade tips are moving 126 miles an hour yeah it's, There's it's, a lot of momentum behind there is, that. And it, it's and definitely going it to win. And uh, but how we previously tried to find out 
you know, the ecological impact of this, we would have people, you know, walk around, you know, 100 yard by 100 yard grids looking for these dead animals. Mm-hmm. And their find rate was not great. I mean, stuff may be hidden under brush. Uh, things could be somewhat decomposed. So it looks like, you know, it's just a bunch of pebbles when it's, you know, it's a, it's a bat who'd been laying there mm. for a couple of weeks. We've improved that by like, you know, getting uh, field dogs who have, you know, really good scent and they will wander through and, and they can find these things at, at a higher rate. But the best thing is, is we've got all this video documentary and, and spectrum and, and, and infrared data of actually seeing these things. But the problem is, you know, how do you figure out, you know, what's an airplane flying around and then it goes out of screen? I mean, was this flying thing when, when a blade came around? Is, is it an animal? Is it a bird? And so AI and machine learning has gone through and they run trainings on this data. And, you know, they go through and, and they say, okay, you know, because this stuff is just like three months worth. I mean, if you figure out how many frames per second we're doing over months, I mean, it's just an, an unimaginable amount of, of data. And mm-hmm. this stuff can go through shreds of it in, in hours. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, real world stuff where you actually have a product that you're selling that relies on this. And not only is it a product, but your product is better because the data is good, but the analysis is at that 99 percentile range rather than you're lucky to be yeah. 50 with human beings. And, and that would and because you just can't go through that much data as mm-hmm. a person. You can't hire that many people. Uh, well, I mean, the U.S. military can. But yeah, right. I mean, AI the Cold War, is, but is, most people can't. <laughs> when you when you focus it down on a job like this, I mean, it's just the possibilities are are endless, and I think that's what they're kind of you know really marketing because there is positive benefits. And I'm not trying to say that I'm a huge AI fanboy because again. There are going to be some really moronic things that they're going to attach the words AI to, and it's just not going to work. And people are going to throw a lot of money at it. Well, but, and you know, it, without getting into it because it's quite off subject. Like, no, I, I'm actually a b- pretty big believer in like what Bitcoin can do. But so imagine how annoyed I am when I see the other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but but actually, I really want to ask this question because I actually think. Uh, surprisingly, after talking to you now for a bit, I think you might actually have a different answer than me. Dylan K writes in and says, hello, Tom and Josh, as someone who's aware of the AI bubble, but ignorant about it ultimately, could you both provide a simple breakdown of what it could mean for the do-it-yourself market? What happens if the AI bubble grows and then eventually collapses? And I'm curious if you think it will benefit gamers at all if there is some collapse of the AI bubble. At some point, because I'm actually surprised that you say, well, you have a bunch of 4070s sitting there. Like, would any AI collapse though really affect you selling them off? Um, okay. We would not sell off any of our 4070s just because mm-hmm. we have we have a product that actually utilizes them. It's not like we're gonna kick all of our developers out because for some reason this data turns out bad. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we do a lot of statistical analysis on everything that we're doing here. 
and we're finding a very very high correspondence of of the and accuracy of of the job that we're doing i mean it's it's a it's a it's a simple job but it's it's complex to implement and do it effectively and accurately and that's the thing but you know when when you're talking about you know well, we're we're using AI to figure out what the best floral pattern of dresses that are going to be used next spring. I mean, that's just that's just stupid stuff. Because how are you going to you know actually you know really utilize that? And and a lot of that is just <laughs> almost sociological in how they're trying to represent AI. That it's this you know overmind that that they can tap into with this technology and and be able to you know go all Harry Seldon with. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, the people who have an actual product that it works, they're going to be ecstatic if, you know, if the bubble collapses because there's going to be a lot more hardware available that we can do our jobs faster with. It's like the bubble of, of 98. Yeah, all of these companies went down, but we had a better understanding of what the internet was really capable of doing and how we could actually monetize it and what is a good idea versus what is a bad. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's only going to grow again. I, I, I blockchain Bitcoin. I understand. Um, but if you'll notice that they weren't using graphics cards for Bitcoin, that was all of these other ones. Yeah. And then they did clap. So I'm of two minds about this. Cause the answer I wrote down was in the short term, I guess if it collapsed now, there probably would be a bunch of extra cards being sold off because right now people are buying whatever they can get. But if the bubble continues for 10 years, they can't resell any of these AI products to gamers. Okay, so there's two parts to that. Yeah. One is a lot of these companies are not buying a tremendous amount of video cards to do their trainings. That's what I suspect, right? Okay. So it's so not like my it's it's we've got five or six cards across the company and we've got four or five developers that are working on this and we're getting money from you know dod doe um a bunch of private companies uh, a bunch of wind turbine guys but you know we're not we're not buying these dgx ones we're not doing these things because we can still do the work effectively on these limited amount of cards that we have just because that's the way the workflow goes. Mm -hmm. Um, if you suddenly throw $150,000 worth of stuff, we're not going to be more productive. It's, it's just, it's just the way that we apply ML to this data and what we're getting out of it and what we're working on. Now, if we get, you know, 10 more developers, we would need more products because, mm -hmm. They would each like to, you know, utilize one of them uh, for their training sets by themselves and not have to share any resources. But it's just, it's, it's, it, there is, there is a, a manual um, component to this that scaling out does not improve the data and it doesn't really improve the time to market just because of the way the workflow is happening. Mm -hmm. So we're not seeing, I mean, back, a few years ago and we started doing this and we really needed some 3090s to do some of this heavy duty work because yeah we had like a titan xp but it had 11 uh gigs of memory or we 12, had yeah yeah or 12 or whatever 
Um, or a, uh, you know, we had a, what was it? Um, what was one of the first ones we, we did? Um, it's one of the AMD ones. It was a, a, a R9 290. It only had four gigs of memory. Yeah. And that had four, then the 390X at eight. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but that was way too limiting for a lot of these training sets. And so once we got to, you know, 12 and 24, it was able to loosen some things up and, and, and because otherwise they had to like break a lot of this data up and, and, and multiple training sets and, and to fit into the memory, I mean, it was just a pain in the ass. And so now that we got like 24 gig cards, it, that was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. It really helped that out. But again, we just, you know, we don't, we use consumer hardware and we can use it really, really well. But I think that's where a lot of the AI development is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only when you look at, you know, the Google and the Amazon, the guys that can afford these 150 or, you know, buy a million and a half worth of, of machines that they then throw in racks and try to throw people at. I, I don't know how effectively they're being used because, you know, the more you buy, the more you save. I mean, that, that only yeah. works if you actually have usable work going through them and going right. out to paying customers in our case our overhead in hardware is really really low mm-hmm. um we can afford this stuff and we buy it as needed and it does great work but it just you don't need this huge blocks and 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 and, and racks worth of ai stuff for the stuff that's that's really you know productive that's it's handy that's it's meaningful um yeah because i just don't know how many of these companies buying up ai that don't need it are buying up gaming cards versus the stuff that can't be used for gaming because that's what would help gamers if there was a collapse in ai is if well all of these used cards hit ebay mm -hmm. but you're not going to sell them you're actually using them and i suspect a lot of the companies buying them up and droves that have the money to do it might be buying h100s that are never going to be gaming cards but i don't know i don't know what percentage of those are gaming cards you know i mean the the company i work for i mean yearly and i probably shouldn't be saying this i mean it's 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 an 80 million dollar a year company and you'd think that they'd be able to afford really heavy duty stuff but Mm -hmm. we don't need it for the work right. that we're doing. and But we're doing super, super productive work that is getting a deliverable to clients that they like. The data is good. The, the, the machine learning has assisted us tremendously, but the machine learning, I mean, it's, it's part of the product. It's not the product itself. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, that is where I think we're going to see... But you see, that was an argument I made earlier, too, is I don't think we actually need as many of these cards as NVIDIA is hyping us up. And that is where I think this could be a bubble, too. And you know what? Don't get me wrong. If I was able to get my hands on an H100 uh, for 5,000 or I don't know, what what, what do they go for? They're 40,000. 30 grand. Yeah, if I can get one for 2,500 used, I will will jump on it because... Mm -hmm. That would make an eight-hour training on one of these cards into about an hour, if even that. But that is my overall conclusion, is I don't see the AI 
bubble as it goes up really benefiting gamers in terms of the could benefit developers making games but like it's not going to benefit the hardware pricing aspect in the way these other bubbles really have and if it mm-hmm. collapses it's not the same type of a collapse no i think right i, th- I think, so I think it's separate there. you know yeah, yeah it's nobody's going to be able to game out on h100 so it doesn't have display port right yeah yeah well so all right kjm015 writes and says hello tom and josh how far do you think nvidia will go with the real reallocation of game driver development to AI. At what point will the decrease in game driver staffing start to consistently impact? Well, I'm going to have to cut off that question because like what I've, what I, and and I I got tipped off by one person in NVIDIA, then another, then another, they're not like laying off staff to, to support AI. It's just, if they make whatever amount of money, all of the funding increases are going to AI right now. And the gamer side is kind of being told, well, we're not going to fire anybody, but this is your yearly budget still. Yeah. And I've, I was heard that the people who worked on Starfield underestimated how much work it would take to get ru- up and running. You know, it's a Bethesda Studios title, so I'm surprised they were surprised by the state at launch. But like that, there was something there with they wish they would have had more developers to work on that software. But moving forward, well, a- NVIDIA is an AI-first company. It's not that they're divesting from gaming. It's mm. just don't expect it to get as much of the pie moving forward. Yeah. No, I think you know, that's, that's 100%. And not only that, but I mean, going back to the Starfield, uh, I, I was told that Intel had uh, builds for a long time. And I mean, they've got a lot of software no. people there anyway, but there's just so much, there's so much work to be done. And so, yeah, nobody, I mean, Bethesda, I'm curious how, Intel, much, but, how much, uh, how much long did Bethesda have it? Cause I never could get anyone in that stuff. I, I don't know if I should say could, but I didn't have any information on the Intel aspect of that story. Really? Like apparently f- they've had it for some four months. So from what someone at NVIDIA told me, half of the time when a game is being made, they will have touch-based meetings where they get to work on some of the code eight months before launch. Mm -hmm. But four months isn't insane. So they did have it. That sounds about right, though. That sounds about right. See, my understanding, I don't know how much you saw my reporting on that, is that what happened with Starfield is it was originally written in Vulcan. It's quite a scoop. I, I got that finally. And that they needed AMD's help to make it work in DX12 mm-hmm. when it became a Microsoft game because it has to run on Xbox on DX12. Yeah. A lot of the original DLLs were only worked on AMD. And so they had to translate this game. AMD helped them. It's not that AMD did anything malicious, but they certainly had a head start in making a broken game work. Yeah. And it sounds like Intel and NVIDIA got it it's that like four months before launch and it's a matter of how seriously they took it and how hard it was to fix, fix it for their hardware and yeah. Nvidia handled it better than Intel, but Intel probably had a bigger mountain to climb. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I don't know. You I mean, tell me I mean, if you they, disagree they, with that. They, uh, uh, how many problems have they fixed in the past six months? Intel side. I mean, how have they addressed DX 11, DX nine, uh, improvements in DX 12 and Vulcan. Uh, all this stuff is is I mean they they have a large uh, workload on their plate and uh, Starfield did not help out even though they 
they did have uh, some early builds uh, months in advance. Uh, they just you, you can only you can only whip people for so long or make them work. You know, crunch shifts constantly. They and Intel's not going to. Yeah, because on the Intel side, they're not just trying to fix Starfield; they're trying to fix a hundred games. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yep, yep. It is, it is, and I mean that's why they're kind of so far behind, and it's why Nvidia is behind. And as you mentioned, um, you know, if if the Vulcan thing is correct, and it sounds like it is. Uh, Microsoft's going to require them to get to Xbox, and that's mm-hmm. DX12. And yeah. Yeah. Who who powers both major consoles? Yeah. AMD. AMD. So who are you going to hire to help you on the game? Yeah. Obviously, AMD, yeah. if that's the yeah. issue. You're, you're going to need their software engineers to be able to, to get it all working as it should. Well, all right. You brought up Intel, so I'm going to pivot to this chunk of the that's script that I definitely want to at least touch on. Um, one of the, it was funny, you know, I went back and skimmed through the last time you were on and a large chunk of it, you know, it's late 2021. So a large chunk of our conversation was about Intel arc. And it's funny just to summarize our takes back then, I actually outlined them in bullet points. You Josh expected the smaller die to be about a $120, 1660. Although you did, which unfortunately came up short. I expected that too, basically. Uh, And you expected the A770, or what became called that, to be a $300, 3060 competitor. I heard that it was supposed to be a 3070 competitor. If you look at the die size, it definitely was supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Um, Unfortunately, I would argue both fell short of that, at least at launch. Um, They can show whatever charts they want. It lost to the 6600, let alone the 3060. Um, you expected a lot of driver issues, but for it to be okay, I expected worse drivers than AMD, but for it to be okay. And we both, I listened, we both said, Hey, if this thing doesn't launch by quarter two, it's dead in the water. <laughs> it's so funny because we were talking about this thing and we were like, yeah, hopefully it'll launch January. And the a seven seventy ended up launching the same day as the 4090 mm-hmm. in quarter four of that year. Yeah. How would you summarize Arc stacking up to your expectations? Um, in some ways, okay. One timing wise, it was awful. I mean, they they needed to get it out six months in advance of that with workable software. But I had heard mm-hmm. that uh, while the the hardware was testing out okay, the software support was absolutely abysmal, and so it was a combination of of you know. Getting everything all together, getting the parts, you know, fully verified. But the software was was holding it more back than anything else. Um, they had to rewrite everything just because I, I think we'd talked about this before. There was some, you know, 20 different graphics groups sprinkled around Intel. And yes. they, had, they had some 30 different architectures that were unique uh, among CPUs and mobile and other stuff at, at any one time. And so the software guys had to support that. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be like, you know, one, one part would have this feature set and then another part would have a slightly different feature set. And so you, you had to compensate for it. And it was just, it was a nightmare. And then, you know, one thing that Roger did is, is he kind of got it all conglomerated together. So they're on the same page. And, uh, a big part of that is, is just software. And so, I was uh, slightly more impressed with the actual hardware now that 
it has been optimized for and the feature set that it has, I think it's it's great. It does great in RT. It does great in all of these productivity things that you know it was crap at at launch, but now like uh, the Puget Sound uh, guys, uh, they they do pretty consistent testing with uh, you know actual applications, not just games. And I mean, it, it has gone from leaps and bounds. It's a very uh, compelling part. Um, sorry about my my That's fine. phones, uh, but it and it's probably a little bit more general performance than what we might want from a GPU. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's overall, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it, I think it's surprisingly good. It's not great. You know, it's not a world beater, but um, it's competent. Uh, pretty much everything it does now that they have updated their software. And I think, you picking up a 16 gig card for under 300 bucks. Uh, if you're willing to accept that you're not going to be able to run Starfield here for a couple of weeks. Um, it's, Would you uh, accept that? That every other game you just can't play? Well, I don't know. I'm asking it's, you. Would you actually tell a friend to buy that? So six months ago, I had that in a test machine. And I had my son and his friends just playing a bunch of different stuff. Valorant, um, League of Legends. You know, a lot of the very, very popular games, and they all ran great on that. And so Intel is paying attention to that really popular stuff, but you're going to find these corner cases of, of stuff that's not as popular, doesn't have as, you know, big of um, um, you know a, a gamer base. Uh, and, of course, it's going to do poorly, and there are going to be some things that, you know, like Counter-Strike Go... It's going to do 400 frames per second on on like a 6600 or something like that, and your Intel is only going to get 230. And of course, you're going to say, "Well, it's almost you know half the performance of this older card." But at the same time, are you going to miss that those those screen tears? <laughs> well, um, but he, let me say this though: uh, sure. Battlefield 2042 basically doesn't work. Yeah. Halo basically doesn't work, and Starfield. Would you call Starfield, Halo, and Battlefield edge cases? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> because this is boy. my point. Would you actually tell a friend, hey, go spend the same price as okay, a 6700 XP? Let me ask you one question. How many of your friends pay, play Battlefield 2042? A lot of them. Really? But actually, I, more than Halo. If you check Steam oh, wow. charts, it's outperforming Halo. Okay, no, but your friends. Oh yeah, my oh, friends okay. do. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I, I, I still never even bought that, and so you know, I'm, I'm looking at it through a, a different window, obviously, than you. But, uh, but, it, but I find that interesting because I see so many tech tubers benchmark Halo. No one plays that. So yeah. you actually take the Steam charts, the new Halos, and it's because they haven't released any content for it since yeah. launch, which is a no. crazy mismanagement. But yeah. That's neither here nor there, though. It was popular when it came out, though, and it still doesn't work on this Intel graphics card. And I just, I understand they've come a long way, but you know, it also has come a long way. AMD's pricing, which is yeah. now cheaper. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, no, I, a 6700 XT is, is a great all around card with good amount of memory. The software is good. Drivers are good. AMD has done, I mean, they're, they're nearly up to that gold standard of uh, of uh, what NVIDIA has has provided over the years. 
So yeah, it's it's a hard sell against the six seven hundred. And so you've got to be. It's it's almost like a, a Linux user. Yeah, it's not going to work in all the things I want to do. But you know what? I can really dig into it, and I, yeah, it's 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 an identity. It's 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 a reason why it's selling at like 05 percent of the market. I mean, just from an academic point of view, I think it's a really interesting part. And they did a lot of things right. They got some things wrong, uh, but I think they got more right than wrong. And it is giving them a good platform to do the software development that has really been needed at Intel for a long time to get all of their, uh, you know, all their code base into one good bucket that they can apply to, you know, their CPU graphics here in the future. I mean, that's something that they, I mean, it's so fractured in the past that maybe, you know, this is just the growing pains to, to get it to where it needs to be. I don't know. But so here's an interesting thing though. Like if you look at the 6,700 XT, we're talking about 331 millimeters squared of seven nanometer silicon. I thought that's being, but okay. I'm sorry, which one? 6,700. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's being sold for the same price as 400 millimeters squared mm-hmm. of six nanometer silicon, which if you look, I mean, the, the numbers, you can just look at Intel's earnings. They are losing money on each one of these cards sold. They are. They are. So how, how is this sustainable, though? Like, we, no one recommends it. And I don't know. And the, in a world where Intel has no competition and they can burn money for a decade, I think... Sure, but I if, don't know. If, I, if I guess their I'll just second generation card is also unsustainable, then yes, it's unsustainable. But this is their first standalone graphics chip since the i seven forty back in nineteen ninety eight, ninety seven ninety eight. And there is a lot that obviously goes into it in terms of software. And I mean, the world is much more complex in twenty 20- 23 than it was in 1998. I mean, you had to worry about what DX3, uh, possible DX4 uh, coming up on the horizon. Uh, you had the AGP with the sideband address, uh, sideband addressing, and uh, all the other you know technical components that that was that was first to market with. Uh, it was it was kind of a crappy chip. It couldn't you know perform well against what 3DFX and Nvidia had. But you know they they gave up on it way too soon. And they transferred all those people into like chipset graphics and then eventually, you know, Mm. CPU. And it was, again, disjointed and all over the place. And it was, it was, it was the redheaded stepchild of Intel, but it was something they needed because they wanted to integrate graphics into chipsets and eventually CPUs because somebody just buy a CPU from there for desktop use and they don't have to buy it. A graphics card so um well but right now yeah but back then they had the money you know that's the that's the concern right is oh, they, they've still got the, the money do they though because oh, they, they i mean they it's every month chest, they kill yeah. off 3dx points dead they're yeah. not dead yeah they've got it raja gone xg gutted i don't know that they do have the money like oh, if you they, look at their they, margins they do, and they're, their they're, earnings they're so beholden apparently uh, to the shareholders 
that well they keep giving out those dividends i think oh, they exactly. can't afford to do anymore yeah. they've got to yeah. cut that first yeah. that's the thing they should have yeah. cut i mean they they could they could they could they could do whatever they want I mean, again they could they could burn money by the handful um but i think that there really does need to be a third player in the market uh with graphics and intel has so much software experience with their cpus that they can port over to their graphics but can they because they haven't because it really they hasn't panned out. But they they can, but it's 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 again it's it's you know they have you know some of the best compiler software on the planet. But it's but so all if Battle like Mage was a mess though. Would you then say, all right, they can't? Because I said the same thing you did a mm-hmm. year ago. They have to be able to build this software, but they didn't. So yeah. at what point do we go? We were wrong. They can't. They clearly can't. Well, I think they can. But it's it's just it's just it's just what. What the the bean counters and the top end at Intel decide to do, I mean, if they really put all their effort into it, there's no reason why it can't succeed. It's no reason. Should why they, they do can't. that though, or fund AI? You know, they could do both. They really, I mean, it's it's uh, the, they they the, killed the, 3D X point. I don't know that they can do both. They don't seem to have the money. I don't. Again, it's 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 not. I don't think it's about the money. I think it's. I think there's some inner politics and they have a a certain threshold of pain that they're willing to take. And if it goes under that, they just cut it. Any other company would be like, hey, you know what? There's a future in this. We're going to take some of this pain. I think Intel is just like, it's the point of this point. It's just gone. That's that's kind of the culture. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you hear about the employee reviews that they have yearly. Um, if you're a manager of one of these groups, you have to give 50%, you know, doing their job 50% underperforming. And it doesn't matter if you've got a team of superstars, you still have to apply that to your people. It's just, it is, it is a, a very rigid kind of system that they have in place that, that may not always make sense. And I'm wondering if, if these cuts that we're seeing, especially when, Mm -hmm. you know, AI is exploding and they're they're not gaining a huge amount of momentum, but they're still selling cards, and they're 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 getting these drivers out, and they're getting that they they still laid off software people who are directly yeah, involved. I heard about that. Stuff. That was crazy to me. Yeah, it it it's it's just it is a interesting and a cutthroat culture at Intel. Um, it's. Um, it's not always the best way of doing things, but because they were first and they were first successful. Uh, and then, I mean, they got just such a huge boost by IBM PC and then later PC architectures where they were at the top. And everybody, a lot of people wanted to work for them because of their position. Uh, but, you know, they, they lost so many people and really important people too, just because I, I think that, you know, maybe maybe the new guy is changing around the culture. He really should, because I, I think with the amount of competition is around, if you're you're cutting people who are not unproductive, that's only going to hurt your company. Yeah, I've heard. But there's definitely it's definitely not just the unproductive people because um you know some of the people I talk to at Intel for these leaks like they'll fill me in and go you know one of my friends you know he or she just lot just got what is it what do they call it the people moving 
there's some term they have that's crazy that's basically called the employee mover mm-hmm. and it's basically this like diagram of we're going to see who we can fire every month and some of those people who have gone through this um and again you know this is someone's friend so what do yeah. they know but they'll say oh no well, here's a good example because it seemed like they're trying pretty hard to be unbiased the person said this person they're both good friends but one of them honestly not the best on their team i think they could have left the other person though this is one of the best engineers i know here and yet this team still got gutted so like there's worrisome stuff like that happening and i guess what i'm trying to get to though here is like here's here's my thing with battle mage is like we just talked about like you know they've improved the a770s drivers it's gotten better since launch i think you can really only go up from zero but at a certain point by the time it's fixed, I mean, we have AMD graphics cards that are still stronger for the same price. Mm-hmm. So the question I have with Battle Mage is if if the market was still booming, sure, release whatever, it's going to sell. But I feel like we're in the opposite. And 2023 is almost over. Battle Mage is not launching this year, at least from the data I've leaked. I don't think it's going to launch until the second half of next year. And... What, and I just had to, while you were talking to, I, I pulled this up, like, because I don't remember sometimes. So it's oh, in, I, I, like, I think you're absolutely correct that it's going to launch beginning second half of, of next year. From everything I've seen, initial stuff is in the labs. It takes about a year for that. Right. So the earliest it could be ready is like maybe June. Hail Mary. Yeah. Hail yeah. Mary. We're beginning quarter three or something. Yeah. What I've seen is they've actually gutted the top die, which... If you're, if I'm being honest, what I think Intel should be doing is gutting everything they don't need so that they don't run out of money. Like, <laughs> launch something that works well. I think they bet off more than they could chew with Alchemist. There was no need for multiple products. Make one die, do it well, launch it on time. Don't try to launch all this stuff. And at least right now, what I'm seeing is the biggest thing they'll launch is this you know is how the video. Well the A380 has sold. I mean, look, none of them have sold very well. No, they were giving them away. <laughs> but of, of that, it was it was um, probably one of the best secondary cards on the market. I mean, if you're not doing 3D work, it was fantastic because it supported all of the latest display. It had the AV1 encoding. I mean, it was, you know, for when that was first released, it was constantly sold out because it was such a good deal for what it was. But I, again, that's... It's neither here nor there. Now there's a ton of them on there. You 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 can buy one wherever you will. But that was that was an interesting first splash that Intel did because yeah, it released a card that had all these interesting features. It was crap 3D performance, but it was it lost that, to integrated graphics sometimes. Oh in yeah, my yeah, it was, it was <laughs> awful in that. But there were some other features that they implemented and implemented really well. Uh, it was it was one of the one of the higher uh, bought streaming cards for for YouTubers and that just because of what it was able to do really effectively and super cheaply that you know only these other streaming products who are three or four times the, the price was able to do but that was again that's that's a corner case because there are only so many streaming YouTubers and Twitchers in the world though that number seems to be growing annoyingly so no the 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 where you make the money is uh if every laptop has a 3060 yep. Yep. you know yeah um but with the the highest die that i've seen they, there was a bigger one they asked the strongest one i'm seeing they might launch is a 256 bit 
448 execution unit, 362 millimeter square die. So they're still go- they're going smaller than what they even have now. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, they should just launch that axe all the other dies. Like there's no need to launch all this stuff that you can't support. But like here's the problem though I have. So this is late next year. We're looking at a die size smaller than the 4080. Um so far what happened with Alchemist is they had a die as big as a 3070 that performed like a Formed like almost like a 3050. Yeah. Uh, now, well, <laughs> it's yeah. more like a 3050 at launch. But does that matter if in a year from now there are $400 7800 XTs on the market? Like, that, that's my argument because it's like this isn't going to be cheap to make. No. And I already think it would have trouble competing with what's on the market now. And AMD is using chiplets to make them cheaper. So this is the business case. It's like, do you think. And I looked this up too before we recorded. To really compete at four hundred dollars, they need to double a seven seventy performance, and somehow make it cheaper than a seventy eight hundred XT. Do you think they're going to do that? Do you think they're going to be able to double performance from where they are now and on four nanometer sell it for less than four hundred without losing money per card? Because because oh, no. my answer is no. no. No, they're not. And and let me. Kind of okay. This this is from my understanding. When this idea was brought forward, the experts in the room were saying it would be three to four generations of products and us building before we're truly competitive with the leader. Because again, institutional knowledge stuff that they have patented ways of doing things that have been, you know, honed for the past 30 years with these, they know the unknown unknowns. We won't. Yeah. You know, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the, the idea was we're not going to be truly competitive in this market until we get a third or fourth generation product out where we really have it all down, not only on the hardware side, but the software side, we know the stuff in the A770, which is not useful, that we can jettison and regain die space for other things that are useful. We can mm-hmm. figure out data pathways that are more effective, how to use caches, um, how to just do stuff in the real-time compiler to more effectively utilize the execution resources of these chips. And this is all a huge learning experience that they're trying to compress into six years that NVIDIA has had since, you know, working on since 1994. Um, but I don't know if the top end brass uh, will be willing to fund up to four generations. So we may only see up to Battle Mage and they may just cut it out because Battle Mage is not going to be. If I may jump in. Sure. Have you seen the big short? Yes. What you just said reminds me of this, with this one scene, which I I bring up all the time because I think it's such a good way of like springing into a mentality that sounds smart, but there's a scene where one of the bankers goes, well, don't worry, we account for a downturn. And he goes... Uh, but this could be really bad. And the person smugly, arrogantly goes, well, we've accounted for like a 20% or even 30% drop in the market. So 
it could never be worse than that. Yeah. And then they go, yeah, we're thinking 50 yeah. <laughs> or 60. Yeah. And they say, well, that can't happen because then we would go out of business. And to me, that is possibly what happened with the Intel AXG division, as they said, hey, it's going to take us four generations. And even if it costs twice as much as we expect, it couldn't possibly be, possibly be worse than that. It was. It was worse than that. We had a crypto. They missed the crypto boom. Mm-hmm. The market collapsed. It's impossible to launch competitive cards right now. Even AMD and NVIDIA are struggling. It is financial suicide to launch into this market right now. And meanwhile, they are they missed the smartphone boom. They missed everything else. If they miss the AI boom, then they're just selling products to old customers, not hyperscalers and AI, the growing markets. And I, I just can't help but go... You bit off more than you can chew, and you plan for a 30% downturn. It's going to be a 60% Intel. Mm-hmm. But I, I probably jumped in too much there. But I just, no. that mentality from the big short, that's what I think's going on. But it's, it's, it's going back to 1998. Uh, they were asked to invest money in graphics, and they're like, the future's not that. Even, even you know, Mark from Epic. No, sorry, Tim Sweeney from Epic says that eventually graphics are going to be, you know, mm. off to the side, and it, it, the CPUs are going to become so much more powerful that it's just going to be software rendering again. Well, he was kind of right. That's funny in ways, but he was totally wrong because it wasn't CPUs. It was it was graphics processors becoming more generalized and able to do you know mm-hmm. interesting shader work, and now you know RTX and and all of this, so. Tim was wrong. Intel was wrong. If if they had a kept the Starfighter group that they had mm-hmm. gotten from Lockheed Martin and invested even 10% more of what they were doing at that beginning, uh, it would, you know, 3DFX had dropped off, uh, S3 dropped off. I mean, they could have had a lot of of momentum and impetus that for graphics and and of course their software group is so stinking competent and good um and i'm talking long-term type good not just well they haven't fixed these drivers yet well that's that is that is sisyphus rolling that stone up the hill um yeah it's yeah no they dropped the ball in 98 99 and they have a chance to get into a market that is continuing to grow and i'm not talking just ai i'm talking about just compute a different way of doing compute from a CPU that is really effective at many, many workloads that are not good on CPUs. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, like Ponteventio, I mean, that's kind of a step in the right direction. Um, Larrabee was an interesting step in that direction as well. But of course, it was just a massive failure because, again, they just didn't support it. And plus, they wanted to put x86 into everything. Here, we're going to yeah. do 50 x86 yeah. cores with a vector unit attached. Why? We're going to have what? x86 smartphones. Yeah, why, yeah. Why, why are you doing that? I mean, it's just, it just is, is, it's that whole culture. It's like, this is the thing we own. This is the thing we're really good at. We're going to try to spread it everywhere. And it's not effective everywhere. And this is their first really big jump into the unknown. And I think they should go and continue it because it is going to pay off and it is going to keep them very, very relevant 
in a place where compute is increasingly needed because, again, not only the amount of data that we have, but the quality of the data that we are achieving, and we need more and more compute performance. And this is an excellent area. But isn't that its own thing? Shouldn't they just do that then, not gaming? Well, it's it's kind of part and parcel just because there, there are two things that um, the performance needs are very, very similar. And so mm-hmm. if you can sell tens of thousands of, of cards to gamers that will help support the graphics group to continue to develop and apply software to it, you can, again, like NVIDIA is doing right now with the AI stuff, I mean, make a tremendous amount of money because this world is so compute hungry, it's it's not even funny. And we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, again, you know, I just would come back to... A third player in the market would be nice, but I just found it so fascinating. Like, and this keeps happening when I interview people. Uh, you said AMD and NVIDIA's drivers are so great, though. Is Intel really competing? Or are they just making AMD look better? <laughs> you know, are they making because I couldn't help but notice after Alchemist came out, uh, people said, Man, AMD looks like a good value. And yeah. it's like, Is that a third player? Is that someone juicing AMD's perception? Yeah, you know, no, I mean, did. AMD has its own share of software problems, but in the past 15 years, they have they have gone leaps and bounds from what they were, and they have invested heavily in that. And so, yeah, I mean, they're they're a close second to NVIDIA, and they do some really good things. They may be a little bit slower off the bat and some other stuff, but no, I, th- I think that they're, you know, again, it's it's the amount of years that they've been working on this just the institutional knowledge of of how of how the sausage is made um, when you're dealing with software that's that's handy and you just have decades worth of mm-hmm. code that you can fall back on and take a look at and see what worked and what didn't and uh, go from there so yeah I don't know well one final thing I want to touch on though because we just yeah uh, speaking of AMD is what they're likely to do next year, though. Um, Swiggles writes in and says, Hey, guys, do you think that the 7800 and 7700 are a sign from the future? Just as Tom indicated that the pricing for Lovelace was incredibly high because, well, he's touching on a theory I have that the reason they're stubborn about 4080 pricing is once they move to 3 nanometer, they know <laughs> the 5080 has to cost that much. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what he's touching on there. But he then asked, Do you think maybe AMD is seeing this fail? and pivoting after realizing that the next generation they produce uh, doesn't need to be high-end performance shattering products and that people really do want more value-oriented purposeful. Um, But so he's basically acting, asking, do you think finally seeing AMD pivot to value with Navi 32 products Mm -hmm. and also these rumors that they're canceling their top end for at least next gen, probably not forever, is a sign that they realize maybe we really should just be focusing on the mid-range moving forward because that's what the market wants. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think this is so similar to the 5700 XT mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, these rumors, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just like, you know, there was never a top end of that. It was the 5700 XT was, was, was it of that kind of generation. And I'm just wondering if this next generation is kind of taking some lessons from that. It's like, from what I've heard, they're having problems with in the back end of, of, of getting the high-end processor GPU working effectively. Now, it could be just how they're implementing chiplets. Maybe it doesn't scale well beyond a certain amount of, of chips. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alchemist was supposed to be multi-die. Really? I didn't know that. that. The original design. It was <clears throat> the original design was multi-die. Battle Mage... I, Battle Mage was supposed to be too, but from what I've heard, that's canceled. Um, yeah, there was one of my leaks from a very long time ago was like they had like eight arc dies and it beat the 2080 Ti in 2019, mm-hmm. but it used a thousand watts. <laughs> like that's, sending that's- the data between the dies was a runaway power consumption problem that they still haven't solved. Yeah. So this does pop up. Um, I will say though, too, someone at AMD got mad when I suggested they were having issues with the top die. He said it's always just a matter of money. Because he was like, Well, we wouldn't try to make something that we know won't work, but I don't know. I guess there's two sides to it. it two people at AMD may tell you different things, too, to be fair. Yeah. And maybe it's just at the power and uh, the, the, the complexity and, and the density that just a multi die solution kind of breaks apart because we don't have the internet interconnect technology to make it really work well. I don't know. But so I guess, let me, you know, I guess then the, the final question I'd have on that is just, what do you think if they did cancel the top end, the let's call it the 8,700 XT, like what do you think it needs to do to make people happy? Like, do you think if, they launched something between 200 to 300 watts. That's between 7,900 XT to 4090 performance. Do you think that'll be enough to make people happy? Like, where does it need to do, be? Does do you be... really think that that part will be that strong? Um, well, Donald Kerner writes in and he says, hey, Tom and Josh, what would you expect as a worst case scenario for Navi 43 and Navi 44 performance wise? Let's say... The bug with RDNA 3, well, it's not one bug. There's always yeah. multiple. Isn't fixed, for example. Would you, isn't fixed? Well, I mean, if it's not fixed, AMD's and they, if they go from one gen to the next and they don't fix their mistakes in the other one, I, they, I, they will, I think, do, in four. Do, do so. you know what my gut feeling is about this? Sure. They, the, the, okay, the, the theoretical 8700 XT, which would be the top end part of that Navi, would, be in between the 7900 GRE and a 7900 XT. And that leaves Well, that's the, within the range I mentioned, yeah. you know. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I think that that then leaves I the say that's 7900 the XTX that they could potentially juice up a little bit more. Cuz remember the uh, old uh, 7900 1 gigahertz edition? Yeah, 7970 gigahertz. Yeah. That card was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so Maybe we'll see something like that. Um, I I couldn't promise you, but I just I get the feeling that the seventy nine hundred XTX is going to be their their top card for a while, even even with the next generation coming, and that's kind of sad. But it, it, it sounds like it uh, 
You're kind of honestly, though, describing a 5700 XT situation because yeah. it didn't beat the Radeon 7. The Radeon 7 was stronger than yeah. it. Not much, but it was. The other one was a lot cheaper, though. With you know, so it sounds like you, that's what you basically expect. It, it might just you know drive the uh, seventy eight hundred XT to four hundred bucks and the seventy seven hundred XT to three hundred uh, after everything scales, and it's going to be a five hundred to five hundred fifty dollar card. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, yeah, that's technology. Maybe well, so, hundred max, and then it'll drop the seventy nine hundred XTX down to seven hundred dollars i don't know well it sounds like you know well i mean to actually answer answer donald's question you know what's the worst case scenario i mean look this thing is four nanometer at least you know so they are using a better node not n4 yeah it will actually be at least four nanometer if not three and that we're talking about something you know there was Navi 41, 42, 43, and 44. I don't see, especially in that interview I brought up with Scott Herkelman, he already said there's no point in making small cards anymore. Uh, and that's something I've heard people at NVIDIA and AMD say is mm-hmm. APUs are too strong. Well, okay, so what's a small card then? I mean, to me, that tells me if you're going to make four cards, they're on a new node, there's no point in making small cards anymore then I'd say there's no point in Navi 44 being smaller in die size than the 70, than the 4060. Well, if that's the case, I, the 4070 is only 290-something millimeters squared, mm-hmm. and that's not even 4 nanometer. So if AMD makes a 300-millimeter squared car on a better node, yeah, there's no reason. And remember, that's actually the 4070 Ti's die as well. I, I see no reason why they can't match the 7900 XT uh, X with a 300 millimeter squared four nanometer card. Yeah. I think we just need to remember how much NVIDIA is charging for the 4080 that really has a mid range die. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it should be a $700 card at max. At max. It is, it is a, it, yeah, it's, it's small. And even at the pricing that uh, per wafer of the N4 is, it just, yeah. Now I'm I'm kind of curious what the actual you know the next generation four nanometer you know per wafer is going to be. It's probably going to be approaching twenty six to thirty thousand dollars per wafer. You mean for three nanometer? Yeah, around that. Yeah, maybe. I, three I mean, or an advanced four. I mean, I can't I can't remember the, all of the uh, stinking roadmaps that TSMC and Samsung and Samsung is is um, uh, they're starting to become. Uh, they're really looking to push their technology and uh, they want to be more competitive. Um, well, they should based on the people I've talked to that worked with them. <laughs> they, they should be. They, they're, they're they're, their five nanometer shenanigans really pissed a lot of people off because yeah. they were like, look at our performance and we beat TSMC. And then their yields were like 5% and yeah, everyone was like, but, um, but, th- but that's what I would say is like, if we're talking about a minimum, I mean, I don't think they're going to make, we have to remember they were going to have 41 and 42, which was supposed to be these crazy Pontevecchio things. So I don't think there's a point in making stuff that big and then also making two dies that are crazy weak. Like what was so the they're point? making, you know, three dies that are weaker than last gen, even though this is like the biggest stuff. Yeah, they, they they need to focus on on something to meet in the middle. Because yeah. Uh you may be able to transfer some of that tech to uh 
you know, the next generation Intel CPUs that have integrated graphics. But I mean, look what AMD has done. I mean, they, they've got two uh, CU units on the 7000 series and they actually mm-hmm. do some interesting things. Um, but, you know, they have they have a, a unified architecture. But Intel right, still kind of doesn't, and they're working on that. So uh, if they can, I mean, that, that would, uh, again, it would make software development, which is like 50% of the work, so much mm-hmm. easier. Well, that's why I think Intel's got to, like, be smart and understand on the Intel side of this. Like, there is such a benefit to having dedicated cards mm-hmm. that... And this was something someone told me too, is the big issue with Alchemist is Intel just can't accept they're not the best. Yeah. Like they're so used to being oh, the best. It's that culture, man. Intel, you're not the best. Make a card that won't put you out of business so you don't have to kill it, is my opinion to yeah. them. But um, but on the AMD side, but again, answering Donald's question, it's like, well, we also know there's a PS5 Pro, which is supposedly around a 7,900 XT in performance if you do the math. And it's like, well, so I don't think they're going to make a dedicated card that's weaker than that, is no. my our argument. And I don't think there's a point in it because there's so the many. I don't think going to be quite that powerful either. But I could be wrong. Well, just... I mean, no one thought the PS5 would be as strong as it was, though. No, but I, give I, it a couple of years. Both, though both of them are, are very, very, very strong for what they are. But again, you know, you don't have to put as much power into them as, as the cards that, uh, you know, stand alone because. Again, it's 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 a walled garden uh, for Xbox and PS5. You can you can do a lot of really interesting things, low level, and pass that on to developers. <laughs> well, you can on the PS5. On the Xbox, they have to program it for DX12 anyway. Oh, but. that's sweet. Well, not very well. <laughs> no, I mean there's 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 still some things. Hence, but, why sometimes yeah. they have a yeah. efficiency issue. But um, well, I guess the final thing I want to ask is really the main thing I brought you in for is just. You know, kind of summing everything up here, looking back on a year of Alchemist and Lovelace being out, how, you know, we kind of touched on both of them, but like, how are you feeling about this generation so far? And do you think the next, because we're, every generation is basically two years long these days. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about how it's going so far? And do you think there's a turning point here where, AMD stumbled out of the gate and can turn things around? Or do you think where things are is where things are kind of going to be for the next year? Which is, AMD's not doing bad. No, yeah. Not, you know. But uh, the 7900 XTX sold well, 7800 XT selling well. It's been a mixed bag for them. Do you think there's going to be some aggression there where they pick up the momentum they're finally taking here? Do you think NVIDIA is going to respond aggressively? Or do you think... It's going to be more of the same because I I could see it going if AMD actually tries, they can take this momentum and go with it. And Nvidia's focusing on AI deliberately. Nvidia's and I and you know it's it's now no longer a matter of fact of like hoping Nvidia doesn't respond. Mm-hmm. They actually are focusing on other stuff for good business reasons. Yeah, maybe AMD has an opening. Do you, or do you think things are just going to continue the same way they always have? Well, I, th- I think, you know, I kind of go back to, to the saying, you know, making a, making a sil- silk purse out of a sow's ear. You can only do so much with what you got. These are, you know, chips that are billions and billions of transistors. They take years to develop. You have to buy specialized masks that cost $10 million. Uh, the, 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 the cost of entry into any of this is insane. And so you have to really super focus on what you're doing and hope that what you're doing 
is the right answer for the market that you're getting to. And right now, NVIDIA has kind of hit the jackpot in between a lot of those things, and they're making a lot of money. AMD is working with what they have, but again, they're not going to be able to make it to that top level with the products that they have. It just it just doesn't work that way with the way the industry is going with you know how software is. And Intel is, I mean, they tried to be an everyman to uh, features, performance, cost, and uh, you know software. And it's it's such a hard thing to do. Um, I think all of them. I don't. I don't know if any of them have any really true, focused, strategic decisions that they're doing. I think they're they're finding out what they're getting from the labs and trying to make the best of what they got because they can't do redos. It would yeah. take years. And so what we're seeing is a really, really muddled response to the marketplace where it used to be a little bit more fine point where you could do respins in six months. Um, you had, you know, reasonable EDA software where you can actually make fixes and get things out and you could hot lot stuff in four to six weeks and, you know, get actually working things back in the lab. That's no longer the case. You have to mm-hmm. have years in advance to get these, you know, specialized cords, flawless masks that they use for EUV stuff that costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, so decisions that were made five years ago are what we are seeing being released to the market now. And some of the decisions were good, some were bad, and some were horrific. And you can only use what you've got available to address the marketplace and try to adjust them as much as possible. Um, essentially just through, through software. And so Mm -hmm. again, the products we're seeing now, they were, they were specced out five years ago and you can't see everything that's coming down. Who knew that, you know, ray tracing would become as big of a buzz as it is. AMD was wholly unprepared. Intel was a little bit better uh, because they, of the way they kind of architect things around. But this was, you know, a thing that, that NVIDIA pushed a long time mm-hmm. ago that they, they wanted to head to, and uh, they were aggressive about it. But, yeah, it just costs too much money to make any of these chips to have them not be workable in some manner, and you've got to market what it can do well and hope that the money comes out because it's nuts. So do you think AMD tries another marketing push, pushes hard, and can build on the momentum? Or do you think what we're seeing now is what's is it? Like, they've gained some momentum with the 7800 XT, but it's probably going to be about here. And if NVIDIA wants to respond, they just can. And, like, wipe it out for another gen. I don't know. I You know, it, it would make sense to me, especially with the momentum they got with the 7700 and 7800 to, to kind of re-push that 79, maybe give it another $20 price drop and just, you know, milk the hell out of it and, and say, you know, we've got comparable performance across X amount of things to, you know, a, a $500 more expensive card with the 4080. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 potentially could because there are a lot of people with 3080s out here, and I'm one of them. Would love to have an upgrade, but I can't stomach either of the things that are actually an yeah. upgrade to that in terms of a price. And so, you know, that might grab a couple of percent of the market of people who really want to upgrade, but they they want the features, they want the performance, but they're just not willing to pay eleven hundred to twelve hundred bucks for it. You know, it's funny. I think now I actually have, because I, I don't know. I asked you what you thought. I wasn't really sure what I thought. But I guess I actually do think I have an answer now. I think that what AMD needs to do, and my guess is they will know this answer. Uh, the people I've talked to, RDNA 4 isn't entirely fully defined. Like, they, they, they've canceled the top. They basically know what the others are. There's still a little wiggle room mm-hmm. before it comes out. There, not much. I mean, you, you basically got to lock it all in pretty soon here. Yeah. But they're close enough to where they've got that wiggle room. And so I think in a month, they will know <laughs> what exactly is they're going to launch in a year. And they already basically know. But I think once they 100% know what they're going to launch, exactly where it can land, exactly what they can charge for it, they've got to take that. And then adjust their product now to meet expectations. Yeah. So if RDNA 4 isn't great, I don't know, try not to lose too much money, AMD. <laughs> but if RDNA 4 is a home run, like let's like let's remember, you know, RDNA 3, they said this in interviews, it's supposed to be above three gigahertz and it can, it just uses too much energy. There's some issue there with the architecture. Like if they can get RDNA 4 to be like a 3.2 gigahertz thing that's a mid-range, like again, like the 5700 XT, that's just a small chip that is high-end performance Mm. if they can do that well then i think what they've got to do is say well what are we going to charge for it in a year and let's actually be decisive about this not try to play 3d chess with everything we do all right let's say we want to charge 600 for that all right well then what we're now going to do is move everything accordingly down yeah (laughs) like the 7800 xt is fine and then like maybe they won't admit the 4050s the uh the 450 dollar 7700 XTs had a price chart. Maybe they won't admit it. Maybe they'll just surprisingly now some AIBs are selling it for 400 all of a sudden for a holiday sale. Mm-hmm. You know, they adjust everything down, set expectations, and then when a you know five hundred dollar seven eighty seven or six hundred dollar eighty seven hundred XT comes out with more performance, it's in line with a price performance increase over what they have now. That I guess that's my answer is if AMD thinks they have something next year plan ahead this time <laughs> and drop like this weird bamboozled launch you did because they need to start doing that all right and it seems like i got my overall point in there at the end there before josh's internet went out but um it sounded like you were agreeing with me on that before yeah. your internet went out right I, I essentially am i mean it's just you know you gotta you gotta work with what you got and mm-hmm. there it's only so much that 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 you're going to be able to do. So how they market it and how they sell it. And uh, hopefully if they make any kind of decent margins, then, you know, that's, that's going to be whether it's successful or not, whether they're going to be able to actually ship a decent amount of product or just have some kind of foothold into the marketplace with something that they're going to lose some money with. I don't know, but uh, you know, they've got a lot of experience and uh, you know, they can, they, they, they have a good baseline uh, we just got to trust that, uh, you know, things will work out in terms of design and manufacturing that uh, they can have a competitive part. But 
we don't know for sure. And uh, that is that is obviously without saying. Okay, well, I definitely wanted you to be able to be, do your plugs after <laughs> coming on with me here for a few hours. So please tell people where they can find you and where they can find anything you want them to be able to find on the internet. Well, I'm, I'm on that X thing, Twitter. I still call it Twitter at uh, Josh D. Walrath. I'm uh, at PC Perspective. That's uh, PCPer.com. Every Wednesday night, we record our podcast live. Uh, we have that link out in the option that you can you can see the rough and unedited version of the podcast, not the thing that Sebastian puts out, mm. whether it's Friday or, or Saturday in a much more polished form. Uh, so you can uh, check us out all that way if you would like. So appreciate you inviting me on. I really enjoyed. I could talk about this stuff for hours, and obviously I have. Yeah, sometimes ad Clearly. nauseum, uh, but really uh, a lot of fun. And appreciate the work you do. Thank you, and you as well. And I'm sure we'll find more hours to talk about all of this stuff in the future. And then, uh, yeah, all of those links will be in the description as well. So I'll then just. Remind people, please, if you enjoyed this, subscribe to Moore's Laws Out on YouTube, the bell button, tell your friends about us. A third of you, or should I say, two-thirds of you supposedly watching uh, Moore's Laws Day content aren't subscribed. It really do, does help when those numbers go up there. And, so, you know, give us a review on your podcast app of choice and uh, join the Patreon uh, for all of that bonus content as well. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Well, we talk for a few hours and uh, have a good week, everybody. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry no Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John Philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. 
I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes in Loose Ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey, if you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, G. Jits, Daniel D, Christopher Ricks, Aaron Close, Jan Ranner, Daniel High, GZ Ziggy, Brian Riggleman, MJV1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Jerem Verriere, Valcom Alev, Nicholas Buckner, Andrew S, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Gregory Zacher, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Greg Wancha, Chris Rich, 3DS Boy08, Halbuma, Hardforum.com, Compressed Earthblocks, Shredbird, Dr. Forbin, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Blake, Franco Frederick, Jake223, Jake Martin, Holden Mobley, Slicking It, Christopher A. Butler, Sammy Malas, Stefan Hart, Meat and Pork, Tim Robb, Jordan Simkovic, Ian Clifford, Travis Gooding, Julian Leak, The Boss Haas, Danny and Deepest Learners, Stefan, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stefan Coates, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Crow, Amiable Chief, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, Roger Davies, I Should, Mark Raidmaker, Cameron, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson N, Cameron, Wesley Shazer, Henry Zhang, Michelle Pell, D31337, Antrix, Chrysantine, The Eternal Dreamers, Neith, Rizink, Hexapuma, Reginald Ari, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Colin Tadards, Game and Sense Reagan, Jed Sadler, Loophole 35, Windstar, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shay, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck Lennon, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I7, 11700K, Joe Foot, Toka, Hardland, Slash Boss C2, Jamie Whitworth, Chanson, Angima, Joseph Kelly, David Sebastian, Samuel Park, Earth Taurus, Keith Moore, Himsa Gun, Tails 2299, Me, Vale, Verga, John, Siphos, Fenty CZ, The Forbidden Juice, Per Leakman, RB Racer, AC, Lord Starstream, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Mad, Alex Vega, Freedy, Brian Wright, John Swin, Rodent, BC, Win Wang, Jula Machina, Kikum, Elbert Gun, Solarized 80, Trevor Renfro, Yeti, Thalo215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Jeff Johnson, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. 